This podcast today is brought to you by myself. As a Shopify commerce coach, I am able to offer you a link that supplies you with a 14-day free trial of Shopify plus an entire additional month after that for only $1, as well as simplifiedropshipping.com, where I teach you how to build, launch, and advertise your very own dropshipping store with a $0 budget completely for free. I am not charging for that. There is no paywalls. There is no upsells. It is exactly as it is. So if you would like to support me, this podcast, and yourself all at the same time, time, go to simplifiedropshipping.com and or the description to claim those resources. Now let's get to the podcast. What's up, Ian? How are we doing, Scott? It's been a while. It's been quite some time. Been I, loving the old ones. I haven't seen you in such a long time. <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, we've been living for together for four months and I met you one time before moving in, I think. Malibu. One time in Malibu. Mm-hmm. Legendary surf sesh, Luca Nets, Mikey Cass, Fez, Sebas, Nate, Ben, the whole team, everybody. Mm-hmm. That it's one guy, day. that one guy with the Lambo. Oh yeah, that, I forget his name. I forget his name. But yeah, we're out here in Miami. First podcast in like four months. All will be explained one day. <laughs> All will be explained one day. But right now, I've always been interested in your story because I originally we were going to do this such a long time ago. Yeah. So now I've got like sprinklings of what's been going on. They get you right here, mm-hmm. but it's wild. Like, uh, I know that you were born in New York, yeah? Yep, Long Island, uh, born in uh, St. Jude's in Queens, actually. St. Jude's in Queens? Yep. Hey, do me, scoot forward a little bit. It's like a very directional mic. Got it. That's so much better. The Queens, eh? Mm-hmm. What was that like? I uh, can't say I remember. I only lived there until I was about one and a half. And then where? Where did you go from there? Uh, so... Interesting childhood story. So right before I was born, my parents came into a pretty large chunk of money, about two and a half million dollars in 1998. They bought uh, a gorgeous house in East Hampton, New York. Um, quite literally like the, the dreamiest house you can imagine. You know, tennis court, pool, beautiful fireplace. We had a golden retriever. Hey. It was a, it was a, that dream lifestyle that, you know, everyone envisions in a pic in the movies and all that. Um. And then we were there for a little bit, and uh, things kind of started to crumble, and we'll get into that as we go. Yeah. Well, you said you moved there when? Um, so I moved there like when I was like one and a half. Oh, okay. And oh, baby. until when? Um, so I, I've, I grew up there for most of my childhood, and then we bounced around Long Island after my father's passing. Uh, so everywhere. Uh, Babylon, West Babylon, Wyandanche, and you know all areas around there, and then eventually ended up back uh, in East Hampton. Well, that's where my, mom, my where my mother is now. Yeah. So how did the money get lost? <laughs> so it's a it's a really straightforward story. Like, so my father was a sculptor and a tennis player, uh, probably a bit of a tennis player over anything. Like a sculptor of. Like metal, what? like metalwork and things like that. Oh, okay. They're both my parents are artists. So my mom was a painter. Father was a sculptor. Amazing. Uh, he done. He's done a lot of really cool things. Um, but so he, he started this tennis apparel line and sunk essentially every dollar they had into that. Just uh, apparel, right? No, like not balls or no, just no tennis apparel. rackets, no balls, just apparel. Um, going up against Nike, <laughs> going up against Adidas. <laughs> That's what my mother tells me. Apparently, there was like a whole conversation between my father and like the ex CEO of Nike of him saying, like, "Listen, this isn't going to work. Uh, bail on ship now." Oh. 
Um, and, you know, Peter was a, a really stubborn guy and uh, I think just wanted to see it do well. And he had played tennis for most of his life. He was an instructor out there. Um, so he didn't heed any of the warnings, none of that, kept running with it. Um, and to make a really agonizingly long story short, uh, he ended up selling the house we had, uh, put all of the money they had in escrow back into the business oh. to kind of save this sinking ship uh, that just ended up you know, sinking even faster after that, to my knowledge. And these are all stories from my mother and everything, but I mean, it goes so deep. Like, uh, so he, there's a really famous tennis court in East Hampton, East Hampton Indoor Tennis, where all the celebrities play and you know, these beautiful grass and clay courts and everything. And uh, apparently Peter gave their last $15,000 to the East Hampton Indoor Tennis Club as a, you know, during a fundraiser just to be that guy a little bit one last time, one last little shout out to, I guess, wow. try to impress investors or whatever it is. Uh, and then that is where kind of everything just fell apart. What was the tennis line called? Do you remember? I would have to ask my mom, honestly. So you were probably like three or four when this was happening? Yeah, I have, I, I, I like vaguely remember seeing tennis shorts around, uh, but other than that, like no recollection. So we sold the house when you were like, what, eight? No. Um, so I'm really bad at ages and timelines, but so he probably sold the house when I was in kindergarten. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you met Luca in kindergarten there, yeah? First grade. First grade, after you moved. Uh, no, this was still, this is when East Hampton, East Hampton uh, Elementary School. So then the house would have been sold, like, second grade, right? Well, no, we were still there. Like, uh, after the house was sold, we just bounced around, um, and all of it's, like, a bit of a blur from my childhood, but sold the house, um, and then I believe we were just renting a random place after that, and then there was still some, some gas in the tank for a little while, um, and then I think the, you know, I don't know how long it was between when they sold the house to when Peter gave you know, the rest of their money away. Um, but that was when, you know, everything like really, really hit the fan. Like um, what? So we were set, my, you know, my parents separated at that point and they weren't divorced and they always had like a decent relationship uh, in the forefront of things anyway. Yeah. Um, and then I never really, I, you know, I only saw them fight like a couple times, whatever, whatever. Um, but I ended up, we, we just bounced around different houses for the longest time. Um, Kind of all over Long Island in general, but all more towards the East End. Um, and it was, you know, to to me, like, it wasn't even that bad. Like, at this point, Peter was, you know, just bouncing from friends' houses and things like that. And I think a couple of them were houses we just broke into. Hey. <laughs> um, but Luke and I always talk about it. There was this, we were staying in a beautiful house after that. Like, uh, it was just, I don't even know whose it was, but it was just one of his friends' houses. That just let him stay. That's let nice. us stay there gorgeous glass house uh and then janet and i my mother were just living in uh she was helping out she does she does archival work for different studios and things like that and dead artists and, and so forth and so we were just living in the i don't want to say garage but the guest house uh it was like a weird weird setup but the guest house of this like really beautiful estate so at this point like things are in, things are falling apart but they're still fine you know to right. the first grader I was, I was still happy hanging out with my friends and getting to roam around these beautiful estates. So. Yeah, especially I bet outside looking in for everyone else who's like, well, 
Oh, yeah. It seems like a, America, a nice American Hampton family. Yeah. I mean, so things were still pretty fine at that point. Uh, you know, no complaints. Like, uh, I think, you know, my mom always tells me that things were, you know, terrible, whatever, whatever. I mean, I know at one point we were living in uh, at that guest house, actually. So that the artist or the owners of the actual house had left. I don't know where they went. Probably just New York City uh, amidst the winter. And there was no heat in that guest house. Damn, what? <laughs> yeah. What did you do? Build a bonfire in the house or something? <laughs> um, I don't even really remember what we did, but I ended up, I was staying with my father during like a lot of the really, really bad nights. Um, and then my mother, I think, kind of, you know, suffered the, the bad of it. And we lived through space blankets and, ha- you know, heated blankets and whatnot and kept us warm. And I actually think there was a, a coal heater. So it wasn't that bad. But, um, it was on and off. This is where things like started to go really south. And yeah. then uh, I remember leaving that house. Um, I think the work my mother was doing came to an end with them. And we moved into a friend of mine, uh, Theo's house. And again, another really nice house. Um, so it still wasn't really that bad. But we were only there for, I want to say like under a month. Uh, it was, they didn't, then his, his mother ended up kicking us out, whatever, whatever. Mm. Um, and then from there, I ended up just jumping back into moving with my dad. And we were just, things like, it was a pretty slow slope at this point. Like, wait, wait, where'd your mom go during this? Um, so she can, cont- I think it wasn't even that, I think she continued to stay at Theo's house, but I wasn't allowed to be there. They didn't want the pair of us there. Gotcha. Um, and then they were both just bouncing around. Um, until my mother ended up getting just like a basic uh, rental place out there that, was by no means fancy and shiny or anything, but it was a roof over our heads. Right. Um, and with heat this time, yeah? With heat this time. Needed. It was like a, a shared space, whatever, whatever. But um, and I think Peter was still, like, they had, like, small amounts of money, and Peter was still doing contract work and was still doing, you know, helping with uh, sculptures and things like that. And doing- just, to be, just to be clear for the audience, Peter is your father, biological father. Peter's my father and Janet's my mother. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. And so they, you know, the dreamy lifestyle we had was by far gone, uh, but we were still kicking, you know what I mean? Like uh, Janet had a job, Peter had jobs here and there. Um, And then it kind of started to go south a little bit faster. Uh, A lot of the houses we had, Peter and I initially stayed at were clearly like we were allowed to be there. Uh, You know, there was lights, heat, all of that. And then the first time things really felt like they were not good was we, I have no evidence that we actually broke into this place, but there was no heat. Half the time there was no electricity. That makes sense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, it, was a, it was a really weird situation, and I was still at this point spending the majority of my time with my father. Um, what age are you right now? I want to say this is, this is probably just second grade now. Damn, a lot happened in... The years from first to second grade. Yeah, I mean, we were just bouncing around for that entire year. Like, uh, we never stayed at a place for more than, like, three months max. Um, You know, whatever, whatever. Um, And we were staying at this place, and this was where I got, like, the first taste of uh, being, like, genuinely uncomfortable. Uh, We didn't have heat. There was no, like, no form of heat, and it was, like, the actual dead of fucking winter. Um, And it was New York, so really fucking cold. and we just stayed under this heat blanket the entire time. It was fine. Uh, I can't say that was the worst of it, but there was a certain point where 
we didn't have any food. Uh, and the only thing in that entire household was these frozen veggie patties. Oh. Um, and so we lived off those veggie patties for, I mean, it, it was probably no more than a couple weeks. Um, Did you at least heat up the veggie patties? Or were you eating the veggie patties well, frozen? <laughs> he made, he literally made like a makeshift thing in the backyard. Like there was a, a really nice uh, fire pit in the backyard. And I think he cooked everything on there because he, he like really tried to hide the fact that he really didn't want me to know that it was as bad as it was. Um, and he did everything in his power to hide the idea that things were falling apart. Right. And he, it seems like he was may, maybe hiding the, the fact that you might be trespassing in this place. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I had no idea. And I, you know, there's a chance, like the, the person who, it was a glassblower's house. So like there was obviously some sort of connection there. And I think Frankly, like there was electricity when we first stayed there. Like I remember there was a TV. Uh, it was, you know, it worked. Um, and then it wasn't probably for like, uh, I don't know, like a month or two months of us being there that finally there was nothing. Um, whatever, whatever. Um, but, you know, maybe she was letting us stay there. But I think I think we were allowed to be there at first. And then she told him to leave and we didn't leave. Mm. Um, and that would explain why, you know. They cut the electricity, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because, you know, uh, it only made sense that it was, like, an artist's house. And we spent Christmas there. Like, it was, we, <laughs> there was this, uh, like, little fake tree in the in the basement that we used as our Christmas tree. And uh, have you ever seen those little light-up plastic ice cubes? Mm-mm. <laughs> They're just these little white uh, light-up ice cubes, and those were our Christmas lights. Uh, nice. But it was, it was honestly, I have uh, good memories of that tree. So, yeah, no complaints there. What'd you get for Christmas that year? A tree. <laughs> and some and some frozen veggie patties. Yes, we didn't we didn't do presents at that point at all. Yeah, I don't um, think so. But uh, you know, I mean, I was still pretty happy. And then it was uh, my dad was he was a metal worker, and uh, you know, if you know anything about welding in that line of work, is guys are really fucking strong. Uh, and so, like when we were kids, like he would pick me and my friends up by each arm and this whole thing. And I, you know, I looked at him as like an absolute superhero, as I'm sure most kids do their fathers. Um, but that house was the first time I actually saw him cry. Like mm. I, I remember going to the, the back porch and, uh, or just the back stoop and, uh, talking, just walking up to him and just seeing him bawling and just being like, sh- absolutely shaken. Like had no idea how to even comprehend that. I'd never seen him shed any sort of negative emotion like that at D- all. Did he see you see him? Yeah. And then what he said, did he say anything? I think he took me immediately outside to play frisbee, and then uh, it was a it was a weird. Situation. I have this. I have this. I remember this so clearly. Uh, it was like it was like pitch black. It was, it was like probably eight o'clock. Like you know, not pitch black, but pretty dark. And uh, he just threw this frisbee at me, mm. <laughs> like way harder than I think he meant to, and I just I started crying with him. So it was like whatever. But um, wait, crying with him because he like the frisbee hit you? Yeah, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> I was a little kid. Um. But yeah, no, that was the first time that it became apparent that things were, you know, not good anymore. And then keep in mind too, like, this is East Hampton, New York. Like, this is where the billionaires roam. And I spent a lot of my youth with Peter. Like, he did a lot of metal work on multi-million dollar mansions, you know. So I'm in and out of these gorgeous estates. We went from staying in this gorgeous glass house, uh, moving around there. And like, you know, all the kids I went to school with, not all of them, but... East Hampton, New York is essentially like you either there's like the, it's the largest wage gap I've ever seen of any town ever. And it's a really small town. Um, so it's either you have, you know, 
a summer house there that you go to for 30 days out of the year and it's a you know 15 million dollar beautiful home on the water or you're living in a trailer park and you know month to month um so it was a it was a weird situation of going to school and uh i think at this point people started to realize like i wasn't doing that well uh because that house like i i don't even remember like i had a, i had a little bin of clothing like a really small bin of clothing um and I would just wear that every day. And uh, I, I don't even remember where it started, but I remember it started like, I, I'm not going to name names, but there were a couple kids from my high school that I very, very clearly remember just making fun of me for being Name them. Name them. <laughs> Lay it down. Charles. Is it, I, bet, I, I imagine a Charles probably said something. You know, actually, funny enough, my, my dad dated this woman at one point, and her son was named Charles. Charles was nice to me, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, there was a kid named Jimmy who... Uh, made fun of me and uh, my friend Victor for being poor quite a bit. Oh, man. Fuck Jimmy. I bet a name, uh, kid named Butch probably said something, too. <laughs> I never knew any kids named Butch, unfortunately. Uh, my dad almost named me Butch. Oh, Apparently, it. It, was down, it was down to Butch or Scott. <laughs> but yeah, the, the bullying um, would definitely come from the names. So Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy is actually the name of the person from Bully, the game. Oh, really? Remember Jimmy. I don't know. I never really played Bully that much. I've seen Pranav play it, but yeah. other than that. <laughs> Jimmy. So fuck Jimmy. Jimmy. Um, and then, like, other kids, you know, here and there. But that was the only one that I really remember. Like, that was, that, was, that was the first time I realized I was, like, genuinely poor was when he started making these comments to me and everything. And it was me and this kid, Victor, who uh, I, I don't really keep up with him all that much anymore. But really good kid. Uh, Spanish family. whole family only spoke Spanish. Uh, and he comes into play later in this story. Um, but yeah, no. And then after that house uh, where things started to hit, we just flopped. Uh, Peter had this old Range Rover that was just dying. Um, everyone knows that Range Rovers are the shittiest cars ever and fall apart piece for piece for piece. Um, most unreliable cars. And uh, I remember being at that house, uh, watching him trying to fix it, this time and third. Um, and then from there, I think we went to one other house after that, which, funny enough, one of my friends lives in right now. Hey. I swear to God. Um, it's the most surreal thing I'd ever experienced pulling up to that place. Um, but right after that last house, uh, it was all just motels and hotels. And, you know, I don't think, I think when I wasn't with him, because I was still bouncing around back and forth from him and my mother, I spent the majority of time with him just under my own request. Um, but still saw my mom every other weekend. Mm -hmm. um, but then we started moving into uh, motels and different hotels uh, throughout the East End. Like you and your dad? Or? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And that was where, that was where things got really bad. And uh, he, I don't even remember how he prefaced it to me, like to try to say like, hey, we're okay. Um, but I have, I have this one very clear memory of, I was staying at, the, I think, the 360 Inn Motel uh, in, like, Wainscott, New York. Um, whatever, it was this little one-bedroom, uh, and I got, like, a chocolate stain on one of the covers, and he nearly beat the shit out of me for that. He was like, because he didn't think he was going to get his deposit back or something. And yeah. uh, that was, like, when things clicked of, like, okay, like, none of my other friends have situations like this. Like, this is, this is whatever. Because I think he just... I don't honestly remember, but I'm pretty sure he just used to tell me, like, yeah, we're just on a vacation. Like, he never, never once 
did Peter actually say to me, like, we're fucked, bud. <laughs> like, things are getting bad, or anything along those lines. Like, the one time I did see him cry, he, you know, took me outside to start playing Frisbee with me, you know? Like, just completely act like nothing had happened. Um, whatever, whatever. And it goes deeper, like, Peter... Well, I guess this comes later on, but he, he did a lot of other things and I think led to the actual death of his money. And I don't know how much he had at this point. Like what else? Like besides, cause I only know about the tennis thing. Was yeah. he like doing besides these donations that don't make sense? <laughs> and he, the man really seemed like he loved tennis. Yeah. Well, so that was one thing. Um, but so the money that they had inherited came from, I think mostly his father and then like a little bit from my mother's father. Um, and his mother, uh, is, I mean, I think she, well, I'll explain that later, but, uh, she was very wealthy. Like she, I remember going to her house in Kentucky and it was this like, massive place and she had this giant room full of like African artifacts and, you know, she was uh, a caretaker for this woman who, I think this is where she inherited like a lot of her wealth was this woman died and left quite literally everything to her. Um, I have no idea what she did, but I just remember Peter telling me all the time that, I had, like, her name was Pee-wee. It was what, what he would call her was Pee-wee. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, Pee-wee's watching this woman who's worth millions of dollars, blah, 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 I remember, like, she got an iPod, and, like, before iPods were, like, even, like, accessible. Like, she was very wealthy. And I think a lot of the money uh, at this point was just coming from her. Um, and, yeah, so I think that's what... Because I don't... I Honestly, Peter didn't really... Like, he did tennis lessons at East Hampton Indoor, but at... You know, 42 years old, you're not really making much doing tennis lessons. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He had, like, random welding gigs, and he was an artist at heart. Um, but I don't remember seeing him make any art after my second grade. Uh, whatever, whatever. Um, but, yeah, so we were we, we stayed at that hotel, and at that same hotel, I have, a, I have an interesting story from there. Um, and honestly, like, I have no, I gotta say this now, like, I have no remorse for Peter or any of the situation I went through. Like, it, I learned so much at an extremely young age from him. And, I bet. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think I learned, like, real humility and, uh, you know, what true experience is like. And uh, he was a really good guy. Like, uh, so at one point, we were leaving that 360 in motel, and there was this guy. And I've told, I think I've told you this story before. Um, but there was this guy trying to break into his, you know, already broken down, uh, semi broken down Range Rover. Um, and Peter stopped me and walked up to him and like, I I expected Peter to like beat the shit out of this guy because I think he had like a a wire. He was clearly trying to break in. Right. Um, and Peter had beaten the shit out of people just for like put, literally put people in the hospital for messing with his dog Fang, the lab we had who passed really early, but, um. But whatever, whatever. So he walks up to this guy, turns him around. Uh, I don't really hear the exchange, but, like, we may have been homeless at that point. Like, we were living in motels and whatnot, but this guy was, like, true homeless. Uh, you know, covered in dirt, like, not doing well. Um, and Peter talked to him for, you know, a couple minutes, whatever, whatever. Uh, and it turned out that he was looking for 75 cents or $1.25, whatever it was, a couple pennies, to get a bus back up island to see his family. Um, and to Peter's statement, we didn't have $75 to, I mean, 75 cents to give. Um, but we did have a semi working car and we drove this man 
what? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure we, I'm sure we did have 75 cents to give, but Peter, I mean, Peter, some background was Peter was in, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and he had been sober ever since I was born. I think a little bit before. And I think, uh, you know, looking back on the situation, like I didn't listen to a word they said the entire time. Uh, but it was pretty clear that this guy was, you know, struggling with substance abuse as well. That's probably why he chose to drive him. Makes sense. Um, but we drove this man two and a half hours or that's probably an exaggeration, probably like an hour and a half, uh, up Island and dropped him off his family. And, uh, you know, again, like I didn't listen to a single thing they said the entire time. I was just staring at street names out the window. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just remember this guy getting out and bursting into tears, uh, and hugging Peter outside the car and thanking him over and over and over. Um, and so clearly, like, whatever they had talked about had to do with, you know, Peter giving him his advice in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, I had gone to those. I don't know if you know anything about Alcoholics Alcoholic Anonymous, but it's like you go to these bonfires every couple weeks. And, uh, you know, you all share your stories and whatnot. And Peter, having been sober for however many years at that point, I think at least eight years, uh, was a bit of a staple in that community or a key member of that and like I still have the AA cards and every or the coins and everything um but you know the moral of that story for me like what I always remember taking from that even though I didn't realize it at that time was I got to see someone who had even less we had nothing and I we saw somebody with even less than us who came in with malintentions right you know, he said, oh, I was just looking for, uh, you know, bus ticket up uh, money, enough money for a bus ticket up. But like if he if he found, you know, other things in the car, he would have taken it to. Yeah. You know, this is a common thief. And um, instead of my father just beating the shit out of this guy, we gave what we could give. And uh, it changed. You know, I mean, I don't know what came of that guy. I have no fucking idea. But I have to assume with his reaction to that. uh that it did really alter his life and it changed my life too. And, uh, it was the first time I'd ever seen like real humility and, uh, really taught me to not judge someone based on their current circumstances and be able to help wherever you can. And, uh, interesting enough, I told one of our friends this, uh, this story like six months ago. And, uh, I think like, I don't know, a couple weeks later, uh, someone had stopped him at a gas station and said, hey, like, I, I have no gas to get home. I need to get home to feed my kids. Can you please feed, fill up my car? And uh, he did. And uh, he came home that day and told me that story and said, I, I wouldn't have told you that. I mean, I wouldn't have done that if you had never told me that story. And uh, One of our friends did that? It was Luke. Oh, shout out Luke. Yeah. Nice. Um, and yeah, and like, uh, I don't know. It was a, it was a really interesting experience and uh, you know Peter did so many other little random nice things like I remember so many different just I could go on for hours about the little good deeds he had done throughout my childhood like we you know saw a woman who had fallen off her bike just on the side of the road picked up put her bike in the back of the car drove her all the way home just to you know make sure she was okay um, and a lot of different you know dragged on stories from the Alcoholics Anonymous groups and him going and him leaving in the middle of the night to go help somebody who was, you know, ready to go get a drink, whatever, whatever. Um, and, you know, the one thing that really was interesting from Peter was like, dude, I mean, he lost fucking everything. Like, you know, I can't imagine what he was going through. Um, you know, having a couple minutes to do it. 
I can't stress enough like how dreamy our lifestyle was at one point. Like had a golden retriever, you know, house of the fireplace, great location in the center of East Hampton, the whole nine yards. And to watch it all absolutely die uh, was a, you know, a very interesting thing. Um, but yeah, because you were born like in on a, a different echelon yeah. to where you like grew into in terms of a child. Can't imagine what that's like uh, in terms of perspective on the world because you don't yeah. really understand what's going on at that point. But you yeah. know, you can tell the difference between like a night, like you said, it was the first time you're uncomfortable. You can tell the difference between comfortable and uncomfortable. Yeah. So going from very comfortable to very uncomfortable must have did a lot in terms of mental like yeah perspective well a lot of it was like you know peter with how high he kept his head and like how good of a soul he was like i can't really say i was ever even that uncomfortable at these motels like it was like i i was starting to realize that like this isn't normal no one no one i know does this yeah um we're sleeping in a singular room and sharing a bed like this isn't normal um, but I was never really that bothered by it, frankly. Like, I, you know, he always would go out of his way to try to make it fun in one way or another. Uh, and he did a good job of doing so. Um, but the one thing that really started to hone in was like, you know, what comes with that lifestyle are the other families who have that lifestyle as well. Right. And I grew up with all those kids who, you know, were destined to be doctors and lawyers and had the rich families and, you know, the same thing that I had. Um, and, you know, I guess word got out pretty quick that uh, we weren't doing well anymore. I mean, I wasn't, like, I, you know, we couldn't afford to do the, I, I played, like, you know, every little public sport, like Little League and the soccer camps, whatever, whatever. And, uh, you know, once everything started to kind of fall to shreds, like, we couldn't afford to put me into any of those anymore. So I was no longer, and you know, I, I don't know how they found out, but all of the moms in this miniature town just slowly stopped allowing me to hang out with their children. Um, and it wasn't too bad at this in point. In your opinion, why do you think that is? Because that's always confused me of like, um, is it just that status thing? Well, you know, at this point, I don't really have an answer. And like, I just wasn't invited to really inv events anymore. Like, uh, there were still a couple kids from that group. There was actually, there was one kid from that group, uh, Will, who always maintained contact with me and would just come over to wherever we were staying. And he never came over to any um, hotels or anything. But, you know, my mom always had, like, some sort of regular house, even if it was a, a one-bedroom little box. It was still a house. And... Uh, I remember Will would always come over there and, you know, hang out in these guest houses with us, and it was fine. Um, but it was weird. Like, it was just a really slow burn. But everything moved really fast from this point, and I think we probably stayed in, like, you know, eight different motels or ten different motels through this entire time. Um, Damn. Yeah. I mean, it uh, was like, and, and what time span are you talking here? You know, uh, times and dates are, like, the, the worst thing I've ever been at. I've ever, I'm just not good at like, remembering timelines and whatnot. But this is probably from, like, first grade ending to going up into second grade. Um, why, like, why so many hotels? Wouldn't, wouldn't it make more sense to just stay in one hotel? I don't know. I would have to ask Peter. Um, Maybe one diversity. Yeah, who knows? Um, 
I think a lot of it had to do with like we would go pretty up island for some of them and like the one thing in the Hamptons is like if you like if if you go there in the winter and you can get a, a rental for not that much money it's like a pretty regular town half the town's closed down uh, if you go there in the summer that two thousand dollar a month house or one thousand dollar a month house whatever it was back then uh, it was 10 times more quite literally like yeah. the summer prices are absolutely insane like if you want to if right now if you wanted to go to the hamptons and get like a a really nice house like you're spending five hundred thousand dollars a month literally um it's insane so i think a lot of it was like we would go pretty far up island to you know catch rates on uh cheaper motels and whatnot oh i see yeah um and we like I think all, you know, I think the biggest thing, too, was that, like, Peter wasn't, you know, I have no evidence of this, but Peter was clearly not living in these places when I wasn't with him. Like, I think he was just staying in his car. Um, and I think that was, like, a, one of the bigger pieces as to why we would bounce around so much. So you'd still go see your mom? Yeah, I would, I would see her every And week. is your mom still in the guest house during all this? Well, she would bounce around so much. Like, I can think of four or five different houses through this entire span. Like, we lived in two different random guest houses, uh... That, that original guest house was long gone. Like, that, that was, we only lived there for probably six months. And that was the thing. Like, we never, we never kept a house for more than a year, ever. Um, so you've never in your life, like, kept a house for more than a year, yeah? Not until, like, late, late, late high school. When gotcha. I was able to start pitching it on bills and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, no. And, like, the other thing, too, is, like, the, you know, as I mentioned, like, the, the housing situation in the Hamptons is really fucked up. And, like, we may be able to get a place in the winter for six months and watch them triple or 5x the rent in, in the summer right. and uh, have to go struggle to find a place. And we had a lot of friends uh, allow us to stay at their houses. And, like, Janet was lucky enough to know some, uh, you know, relatively wealthy people. And they, you know, the same situation as everyone else out there who had money. Like, they're there for 15, 30 days out of the year. Uh, so we got to kind of use that a lot. Um, but it was never too bad with her. Like we, we always had a, a good roof over our heads and she always kept me fed and I was a chubby kid. So, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, and then it was just that for quite a while. Um, you know, they both kind of painted this picture that we were fine. Um, Peter specifically never really wanted to let on that things were bad, but I remember he got into the other thing that I think really bankrupted him was for whatever odd reason, he started working with these guys to, quote, clean up the oil mining rigs or something in Kentucky and that there were these massive oil fields and that he was going to help clean it up and it was going to make us rich and that we weren't going to be living in these motels anymore. And I hey. very, very clearly remember him saying this to us. Um, things are about to turn around. <laughs> So he was saying, um, but Peter was sick. And it, you know, it took me years and years and years to really realize this. Um, but from the time he started talking about that to when he passed was probably three months, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Um, and we had gone to this one. So we had been, all the motels we stayed at were like really low-end hotels. Uh, and, you know, we'd get the smallest room and, whatever we could have. Um, and it was always, you know, we would have, you'd make the best of it, but like, they were pretty shitty. <laughs> um, but then all of a sudden, Peter uh, got this really nice hotel room, not a motel room, but a hotel room. And um, mm. 
it was a it had two stories and like a winding staircase that went to the top and i remember being in, in awe and it was not like a pretty you know a decent place um and this is i've actually never i've rarely told anyone about this but i'll, I'll share it here um so peter uh peter brought a brand new glock home and uh told me that he got it specifically because you know the where he was going in Kentucky was so dangerous. He needed it uh, for protection, the sign of the third. And this was all in this, you know, final, uh, really nice motel. Uh, and the, the kind of ending of this was, uh, so Peter, I don't know how to say this, but so Peter had given me this bullet uh, and asked me to draw a smiley face on the front of it. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and said that if, if somebody's gonna have to die, the, at least they get to see a smile at the end oh of it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and uh, I wanna say three or four days later, he shot himself on uh, Main Beach in East Hampton. Were you staying with him when he shot himself? No, he dropped me off at my mom's house uh, or she picked me up and I, I wanna say two days or, or max three days later. Uh, so the whole, I found out like, uh, it was weird because I think I knew how sick he was and you know, he, he had gun culture in our family was like pretty, like he, he, he taught me how to, uh, disassemble and reassemble that Glock before he passed. Uh, and we'd play with a lot. Like I was very familiar with it. Um, and then that was like the final thing. And, uh, I remember I was, uh, put in an after school program the day I found out. And I remember sitting there like, Hmm, that's weird. Why am I here? Like I, I lived six minute walk away from the school. So there was no reason at all for me to be in an after-school program. Um, and I remember kind of being panicked about it. Uh, walked home, never heard from my mom. Walked in, uh, saw her crying on the couch. Uh, she was like, come here. Uh, sat with her, and she was like, honey, uh, Peter had an accident. And I I just started, I just burst into fucking tears. Like, I had no idea. I think I subconsciously had to have known. Um and I burst into tears and cried with her for a little bit. And then I finally asked, knowing the answer, uh, is he okay? And she said no. Uh, and I cried with her for a little bit longer. Um, and, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, and he, uh, he had left a note in his, in his bag saying, uh, tell my family it was an accident. Um, wow. Yeah. It wasn't an accident. Um, but, you and know. You said this happened on a beach? Uh, and like in the what the early morning, um, I don't know that there's any way for me to know like exactly when, but yeah, the police found him early morning, mm. so um, it was on Main Beach in East Hampton, um, but yeah, um, and that was when that was when things like really, 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 really flipped, um, because then at this point, Jan and I are dead, dead alone, um. And I don't know if you know this. Was there any, li there no life insurance or anything? No, actually. So oh. we had, uh, I think uh, Janet tells me a story, or she used to tell me a story about how, uh, I think he had like canceled his life insurance like a year before his death oh or something. Oh my gosh. And the, the craziest part about it is, um, so they had both seen psychics or, uh, am I saying that right? Psychics. Psychics, yeah. Um, and they told both my mother and father when they were going to die. And I know that's like a, that's like a whole rule that psychics aren't supposed to do that. Um, but they told Peter that he was going to die in his 43rd year. And that's when he fucking died. Um, 
and uh, really weird situation, whatever, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I took it at arm's length and, uh, you know, had the funeral and frankly, the only time I cried was in that first like hour of finding out. I didn't cry at the funeral. I didn't, I, I did I like lost all my emotions. Yeah. You're probably numb by then. Cause now like this is happening to you when the third grade. Yeah. This is the third, third grade. grade. So that means you're nine. Yeah. This is the summer of the third grade. Um, wow. and then, uh, yeah. And then. It might have been like just early fourth grade, actually, um, because I I took like probably like two weeks off or like a week off of school. It was a pretty short time. Um, and I went back into school, and this is after all of my friends had slowly started to dissipate, and uh, you know had never really known why, never really questioned it, uh, just was upset about it. Whatever, whatever. I went back into school, and uh, they had made this whole fucking sign about we hope you're okay, like, and everyone signed it, and uh, it was this whole thing, and I remember sitting there, like, I, everyone's coming up to me, like, we hope you're okay, this and I was like, I'm, I'm okay, like, and I, I think at this point, like, I could, I just couldn't fathom what had happened, uh, you know, the idea in fourth grade of your father shooting himself is, is really hard. After you drew a smiley face on the bullet, because you drew yeah. that smiley face, yeah? Carved it in, yeah. Oh my gosh. And, uh, you know, I have to assume that he shot himself with that bullet. Of course. You know. um, but yeah, I went into school and everyone was so extremely nice to me. And uh, and then like that lasted for, I don't know, 48, 72 fucking hours. It was very fast. Um, and then it just died. Like the people who were slowly moving away were gone. Mm-hmm. Like wasn't invited to anything anymore. I, the, even the kids who didn't come from that, you know, upper echelon family line, uh, even they disappeared. And it wasn't until sixth grade that I found out uh, from this kid, Maliki, uh, that his mother said that I was going to, that I asked, he, he just apologized to me in sixth grade and said, hey, I'm sorry we stopped hanging out. Uh, my mom said you were going to end up a bad influence. That happened when I was in fourth grade. Yeah. Like, there was no chance of me turning into a bad influence at that point. Like, and I think that, is what turned me into a bad influence because I, I started to look into it and I don't know if you know this, and no one really knows this, but boys who lose their, it's like a real statistic uh, that boys who lose their father at a young age are 20 times as likely to end up in prison. Um, yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, and uh, I was put into this like box and like all of these, you know, wealthy moms decided Ian's gonna be a bad influence on our kids and we're not gonna let him around. and. Uh, that was it. Like we had lost all friends. Like I, I had the only person who really stuck by me at this point, and barely, honestly, was this kid Victor Diaz. And we ended up. My mother and I ended up moving into his attic after this. Nice. Like, like probably the middle of fourth <coughs> grade, and we lived in this single room. Um, and there were other people there, other families there that were hiding from ice. And uh, Victor was Spanish. His whole family spoke Spanish and barely spoke English, and they were great, you know. Uh, they treated me like absolute family. Like everyone there, the other families there, all treated Jan and I like we were all under the same family. You're saying there's multiple families in this person's house? Yeah. So, do you know what ice is? Oh, oh, ice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like they're hiding from ice. Yeah. So Victor and his family. I don't know if I should be saying this online, but um, I don't think they do it anymore. But um, 
at the time, uh, you know, so they owned this house and uh, I think they allowed like the, there was like a separate walk up like stairs to this attic and everything. It wasn't like you had to go up to the third floor and, and walk up there. It was just, it was like its own separate apartment almost. And there were, I think three different rooms in that attic. Uh, and each one of them had like either, there was one that was just one, one lady, but the other two rooms were these two families that were, I mean, I'm just making an assumption, frankly, but like 99% sure that they were hiding from ice. Um, and uh, it was the only thing that could really make sense. And people kind of moved in and out of there. And we just had uh, a little mattress and a lamp in that room. Um, but I had the only kid who treated me like a friend anymore. So I was fine. Like, I didn't care. Like, I would, uh, me, it was me, Victor, and this kid, Briar, would all hang out. Um, just skateboard around or run around in his backyard. And I can say, like, I wasn't really bothered by it. Um, but that was when everything, like, really died. And, uh, you know, that was kind of the last straw of, like, that was when Jimmy started making fun of me for being poor. Like, because uh, he found out that I was living in Victor's attic and we all would kind of hang out once in a while. And uh, that was when I realized, like, okay, like, this is this is really bad. Like, yeah. um, and whatever, whatever. Um, went on to middle school. Uh, middle school's entirely a blur. Like, I, I was like a, a shell of a human being at that point. I can imagine, yeah. Like, uh, didn't know who I was, and my mother did the absolute best to, you know, help me find myself. But, boy, it's not supposed to be raised by his mother. It's supposed to be raised by his father. And, you know, Peter... Peter clearly knew that he was going to die. Like, he, you know, we watched all of Kill Bill in third grade. Mm -hmm. No one does that. He bought me a Playboy magazine in third grade. Uh, and, like, we looked at it together, and, like, uh, he gave me so many little random pieces of advice. Uh, and I think, like, the reason he did those things, like, with the, you know, helping these people out and everything was like, I, I think he knew he was going to die. I think for the, the majority of my youth, he knew he was going to die. I think, you know, I, you know, the psychic told him he was and whether he knew he was going to kill himself or go in another way, who knows? Um, but he did so much to, he really, like, without the lessons he taught me before going, I don't know what would have happened to me. Like, at, those kind of kept me at least a little bit of a guy like I you know my mom is the sweetest woman in the entire world but she had no idea how to raise a boy and like uh you know I ended up like in and I want to say like seventh grade I was just hanging out with a bunch of girls like not because I was the guy Ayo. <laughs> shout out Ian not hooking up with any of them by any means at all like I was just like running around with these like weird girls um and just like had no idea what the fuck I was supposed to be doing. Like, I remember in eighth grade going on YouTube, like somebody asked me what my favorite music was. I had no idea. I had never even like looked into music. Like oh. I, and I ended up going on YouTube and just looking up like teenage boy music. Oh, <laughs> oh man. I didn't, I didn't. I, I think I saw you search that last week. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I found like Taylor Swift and Eminem. Oh. Um, and like, just bounced around and was like trying desperately to like figure out like what am I supposed to be yeah like I didn't know who the fuck I was so I was like I'll figure out what I'm supposed to be like what's the what's the normal here like uh because I was like I I had this one very close family friend Alejo uh who I you know my mother's 
friend's son. Um, and he would make fun of me so much for just being like this weird little kid. Like, dude, I had a, I had a hat that was like, had a raccoon, it was like a had raccoon ears and tail on it. Like I was, I was the weirdest kid possible. You know, had no friends other than like these five girls who were very sweet. Um, but yeah, uh, was that sweet little innocent kid up until like eighth grade summer or yeah, like middle of eighth grade. Man, uh, is that where it all changed? <laughs> that's where I discovered um, how to be cool or cool. <laughs> um, and I started hanging out with this girl or, you know, having like a thing with this girl who was like a bit older than me. And she was in high school and uh, she had very rich parents um, and went to a private school <laughs> and I went to the public school and it was this whole thing, uh, whatever, whatever. And she got me into alcohol. And uh, as ridiculous as it sounds, like I was, I was drinking a lot in eighth grade. Like, How much? Like I would, I would, I swear, right hand to God, I would take a shot before school once in a while. In eighth like grade, in eighth grade, Dang. and like uh, I would go over to her house and like, I would just at this point like I didn't, I just did whatever I wanted. Like I would sneak out of my house at two in the morning and just skate over to her house, um, and we would like, <laughs> I remember her parents were building a new house, uh, probably like, you know, ten minutes skateboard ride away. Um, and I would just go there with one of my friends and meet up with her and whoever else she had there and just get like plastered there. And like, we didn't know what we were doing. Like I remember this one time I went to her house and we mixed like every sort of liquor in the house. Like, I don't know what it was, but it was like whiskey, vodka, tequila, like all in one thing. New York, Long Island. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, you know, and I was just like. I wasn't even, I don't know if I was doing it to be cool or doing it to escape, uh, but I was doing it. And then I learned what pot was. <laughs> and that was the secret to, to friends, I realized. And so going into ninth grade, uh, I had a friend, Alejo, not to throw him under the bus, but Alejo had given me like a quarter ounce of weed, which at the time was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> that was a lot of pot for uh, an eighth grader. Definitely. Um, and I, I had that quarter ounce for, like, he probably gave that to me, like, middle of eighth grade. Uh, and I, <laughs> I had built this whole plastic water bottle bong, like, the whole... Grab whole, bong? Not not so much a grab bong, but, like, you know, you throw your pen in there, Ooh. and like, you have the uh, the tin foil. It was a crack pipe, so, essentially. So you started like, smoking plastic around this age, too. Just about, brother. Nice. Um, but that, that quarter ounce lasted me, like, at least a year. Um, and then I went to, I was, like, well aware, too, of, like, who the cool kids in the school were and uh, desperately wanted to be friends with them. And um, going into uh, ninth grade, like, I remember I went to the high school to just, like, before it had started, like, everyone was invited to go there to just go, like, see the high school. Um, and I started talking to... I don't even remember why or how, but one of the, like, cool kids started talking to me, and uh, he was like, do you smoke pot? I was like, yeah, I do. And uh, he's like, no fucking way. He's like, do you have any? And I was like, yeah, at home. And I lived, uh, I lived right next to the middle school. Like, literally, at the house we were staying at that point, it was, it was like a box, pretty much, but there was, it was right next to the town. It was a good location, but there was a chain link fence in between my house and the middle school. Nice. So it was, it was an interesting thing. Uh, and we went back to my house and ended up smoking weed on the train tracks. Uh, and that was where like life really changed. And 
for the first time ever, like I had a real group of friends, like, and it was this whole thing of like, wow, like just because I smoked weed, like now I've got friends. I was like one of the popular kids. Like I was getting invited to parties with them. And like, so none of them were aware of like, were, were any of them aware of what ha of you in middle school when like all the parents were saying to not hang with you? Well, so this was a different crowd, like different crowds. So you move locations. No, 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 no. Same location, but so the cool kids in my school, the cool kids in my eyes in my school weren't, like, rich. Like, one of them was, but they were just, they were the kids who started doing drugs yeah. and, like, started drinking. And, like, the, the kids, the families I was ousted from, like, they were little angels, you know, like, later in high school they weren't really. Um, but at this point, like, uh, it was me, this kid Damon, Justin, Jordan, Robert, uh, and, like, Robert lived in the trailer park. Damon as well lived in a trailer park. Um, and like everyone had like pretty dark situations except for this kid, Justin, who his parents had money. Um, but those were the new cool kids. And like the, the kids who kind of ousted me when I was younger, like they were doing their own thing. Like they were still good kids. And, you know, at this point, like their parents are probably like, we fucking knew it. You know, this, this kid fell and like, uh, you know, so forth. Um, but that's where everything changed. Like, I finally had, even if it was a false idea, like, I had an idea of who I was and, like, uh, or what I was trying to be. And, like, I kind of figured out this little game of, like, okay, if I break the rules a bit, that makes me cool. Like, if I'm smoking weed before school, I'm, I'm that kid. And uh, it was just the first time since fourth grade where I felt like I had real friends. Um, and they were, you know, they were fucking assholes, like mm -hmm. terrible kids at the end of it. And that friendship with them probably only lasted like a year. Uh, I'm not going to say one, but um, whatever, whatever. Only lasted like a year, but had a great time with them. We'd go to parties and sell kids oregano. And like, you know, I was like, I, I turned into the piece of shit that these parents said I would be. What were you like? Were you just selling them oregano for like spices with their pizza or something? <laughs> No, like uh, some of, <laughs> shut up, Scott. Gotcha. Um, but you know, and like I, you know, sell someone oregano, go buy my little gram of weed, and like, uh, you know, whatever, whatever. And then things like. Do, do you know? Did any of these kids end up? I'm sure they did. Yes, end up smoking the oregano. Dude, everyone got high from smoking oregano. Oh, like I remember one time I sold this kid uh, a little dime bag of oregano, and I was like walking home and saw him walk. Like everyone, it was a very small town, and everyone would go smoke weed on the train tracks. And I lived right, quite literally, right next to those train tracks. And I was walking home, and I saw this kid walking up, and I was like, okay, fuck. Like clearly, he just went to smoke. Like. He's going to say something to me. Like, there's no way. Um, there was no weed in that bag. And uh, I was like, yeah, how did you like that? He's like, I'm so stoned. Dude, I'm sure he was, honestly, but not from weed, you know. I'm sure if you smoke oregano, I feel like you're going to feel something. Yeah, you know, who knows? And, like, uh, that happens so many times. Like, one of my friends, it wasn't even my idea. Like, all my friends were already selling kids oregano. And I was like, we would just switch off, like, who was doing it. And, like, uh, I remember one of my friends sold this little kid a little dime bag. And, like, he was like, dude, like there were seeds in that bag. I like burst out laughing. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude, Damon, Damon sold you oregano. And he was like, what? I planted those seeds. <laughs> like About to grow an oregano plant. Yeah. Uh, it was this whole fucking thing. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was my whole freshman year. And like, was just, you know, wasn't anything that bad. Like, uh, nothing too out of line. Like I was smoking weed and drinking and like, you know, nothing too crazy. Um, 
And then I had a falling out with those kids. I'll say why. So uh, awesome. I was wondering. <laughs> um, so I was really close with two of them. Uh, like it was like a group of like five kids, and I was really close with just two of them. And it was like a this is like weird hierarchy of like everyone wanted to be friends with one of them, and uh, I got really close with him. I think the other person got like a little upset that I was close with them. Um, and the only reason we were close was because like. He he did, he lost his his father didn't die but he had van- he left his mother and uh, that was the only kid that I had ever spoken to out there who like understood what I went through and I could understand what he went through and we talked about it a lot and uh, you know we had similar very 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 similar childhoods and so no wonder we got close um, but that kid stole money from one of the other kid's mom's purse and. Uh, I told the other kid, call me a snitch all day, but I, I, I literally said to him, I was like, you take that money, I'm going to tell him, like, <laughs> no, and uh, he took it anyway, and uh, I was ousted from that group for doing that, whatever, whatever, what can you do, um, but I had, like, the, dude, like, I had, I remember I stole $20 from my mom's purse one time, and I just remember, like, I, dude, I felt so fucking bad, like, it just ate me alive until I eventually sold some kid oregano to put $20 back in go. her purse, like, uh, and so, like, that type of thing, like, stealing, like, especially, like, the woman he stole it from, like, dude, we lived in her house. Like, we would stay, she would feed us every night, like, the whole nine yards, dude. Whatever, whatever. Um, but that was my freshman year. And then, to touch on my family life, like, my mother, we were fine. We were living in that little house. What uh, was she doing for work at this time? So she's always, she's been, she's been a painter her whole life. And, uh, she unfortunately hasn't really been able, she's recently been able to, um, but at this point, like, wasn't really able to focus on painting at all. And she would just do different, different things that revolved in that art world. So like mostly like archival work for dead or, or dying artists yeah. and going through their entire collections and, you know, archiving it and so forth. Um, but a lot of different things, like she was assistants for other major artists in the town and things like that. But all of it just revolved in, in the art world. Um, and none of it, I should mention too, was like paying well. And the one saving grace we had was um, we had uh, f- for a couple of years, like there was this woman who worked at the um, the skate park. Uh, it was like a community center, whatever, whatever. And like every year would do a fundraiser for us. And not just us. Like she would do it for every, anyone in that, f- in that town who had a, uh, a dark situation and like believe it or not there were a lot of kids out there who had like really dark situations um all very similar to mine um but yeah no this woman was our saving grace every year and like she would always try to help out and like i think she i think she had like a fund um i don't know how she was doing it but she would give us x amount of money and other people gave us some money too uh so things were like okay and like my mom kept me fed uh you know, it was an old shitty house, but other than that, it was absolutely fine. Um, but it was, like, back and forth, and, like, we still had, like, we, we were ends meet, you know? Like, uh, she would make enough for rent or at close to rent, and uh, I think our landlord was pretty at ease with us because the house was, like, falling apart entirely. Um, and they, were, they ended up, that there's that house isn't there anymore. It's a parking lot now. <laughs> oh, really? I swear to God. Um, but, yeah, dude, like, it was still, things were, like, starting to get better because I started to realize, like, I was a person at this point. Like, I wasn't just, like, that hollow shell anymore. But I have this one very clear memory of uh, 
on Christmas Eve, you know, this is, uh, this isn't to be too dramatized because it was just because my mom was working late and I was locked out of the house. Like if I had asked her to make me dinner that night, like she would have, uh, and I'm sure I got home later that night to some food, but it was like 8:30 in the brick of winter. And, uh, my friend Damon and I are just walking around East Hampton town uh, on Christmas Eve. And, uh, literally just asking strangers for hey can we get a dollar for pizza and there was this there was a spot in town fieros and uh we spent probably like two hours asking people if we can just get a dollar for pizza and no one bit no one gave us a wow. dollar and uh on christmas eve we even asked a cop dude <laughs> <laughs> and um whatever whatever we ended up just going to fieros and just sitting there and they were like do you guys want anything like yeah, yeah we don't have any money i was like dude it's fucking christmas eve like we'll give you pizza. <laughs> Who cares? Amazing. And I was like, well, I'll pay you back. He's like, you don't have to pay me back, dude. Like, and it was crazy because like, dude, like I, I, I didn't cry cause I didn't want to cry in front of my friend. But I remember sitting there like, Oh my God, like what? Like I was in absolute awe that somebody would do that for us. And like looking back on it, it was like, who the fuck? Why didn't that someone just give us money? Like, uh, yeah, that's especially in that area. Right. Um, and I'm sure they just, I don't know what they were thinking, whatever, whatever. But I was so thankful for Fieros to just, we just gave us each a slice of cheese pizza, you know? Uh, but it meant the world to us. Um, whatever, whatever. And then high school, uh, I ended up having a falling out with those kids because of that. Um, but I just, I couldn't even say why, but I just went further and further and further into that path of, uh, not a good kid degeneracy degenerate and um i pretty quickly got into like real drugs uh and like east hampton was like a really weird place to where like there was nothing to do it was a really small town and like i think we're in like 10th grade now like everyone not everyone but like a lot of kids were doing drugs at this point and, like it was nothing too crazy but like xanax and like going to parties and just taking like four Xanax bars and like passing out and like uh, not having any rec recollection of it and like uh, you know I just uh, I still like I you know I, I had figured out how to like make friends through drugs um, but other than that like that was all I figured out like I didn't figure out like what life was supposed to be like and I was just running with that feeling of like okay like I can I can be that cool that cool kid uh, if I keep running with this uh, and I did and uh you know, I kind of was that cool kid for a little bit. And, like, I don't want to go too deep into the uh, the real federal stuff or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, you know, um, I was, like, that kid from, like, 10th grade to 11th grade. And, uh, you know, was, you know, I, it goes without saying what was going on. Um, Wait, so you got in, like, trouble with the federal government? No, 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 that's not what I mean. I just mean, like, uh, I don't want to speak too deep on, like, the bullshit I was doing. Gotcha. Honestly, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, like, the basic things, like, just, like, you know, selling weed and... Fucking around. Fucking around. Being a real degenerate. And, like, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse, dude. Like, um, in, uh, like, I was going to school high, like, every single day. Like, we would, even after I lost those kids, like, we, I, I would, you know, I lived five minutes away from the school and we're just the middle school and high school were really close and uh, just walk over there and stop it we literally would just like sneak into someone's backyard and smoke weed and then go to school and like uh had you know endless little things there happen and uh got in trouble with the school pretty frequently uh he's having such a weird place like kids would fight after school like every day we'd go down to this pit and just watch kids fight and like uh very strange for the type of town it was um 
But yeah, fell directly into that. Um, and then my junior year, like I had a, so I kind of, I had, I had been like that really terrible kid. And like, I'll touch on this. Like, um, I remember I went to a party that my friend had hosted and it was like the biggest party that East Hampton had ever seen. Like his parents had left for like two weeks and he was just through a full open house and like everyone from like three towns over came and was literally stuffed. But, um, I went upstairs and, uh, found a couple of bottles of pills of like oxycodone and hydrocodone uh, and just was like popping them like candy. Like remember how many? No, no. Um, it got really bad, dude. Like, so I was just popping them like candy. And like, I, I guess I was, I was still pretty new to like real drugs like that. Like, uh, especially like I had never done oxycodone. Like I think that was like, I'd done Xanax and like other little pills, but like I'd never done any oxycodone or anything like that. No opiate or anything. Um, and this night was where everything like really kind of changed for me for a little bit anyway. Um, it should have left a bigger impact, but it didn't, but yeah, I was just taking them like candy. And I remember like one of my friends or an acquaintance saying like, dude, if you take another one of those, I'm gonna smack the shit out of you. And I just literally popped two in front of him and didn't do anything. And, uh, I just kept playing that game and like, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I was just doing it probably for attention. Um, i hardly remember the night. Um, but long story short, like I had a, this huge crush on this girl. Um, and I was like really drunk and I guess drugged out at that point. I like threw a Coke, like a can of Coke and it just went all over this girl that I was like obsessed with, dude. And she just reamed me. She was like, what the fuck? And I just literally just walked into this kid's backyard and just downed like the entire bottle of pills, like just fully. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that I was like trying to kill myself or anything. Cause I don't think I was, I don't really remember. Um, just a kid over exaggerating. Um, but yeah. And then, uh, I don't, I blacked out entirely and, uh, there's videos of this kid. I think Cody was his name. Um, literally found me in that backyard, picked me up, dragged me inside and for like four hours just shoved his hand down my throat, making me throw up. Damn. Yeah. Saved your life. Quite literally. Literally. Yeah. I don't I, I swallowed enough pills that night to kill like two people, three people at least, grown men. Right. Um shout out Cody. I haven't talked to him ever since then really, honestly. Um but I remember watching those videos uh days later and like realizing like how bad things had gotten but like still not really caring um or what videos there were the, there were like probably five different videos of them people videotaping me like throwing up into this bucket like this kid literally shoving his hand oh out god like, gotcha i didn't i didn't remember like i woke up the next day or you know whatever maybe like two days later uh like with no recollection of what had happened. Like I had no idea that I did that. Um, and it all kind of started coming back in like bits and pieces. And then I saw that video and it was like, holy shit, like what the fuck? Um, and it got pretty bad. Um, but I can't say that it left the mark on me that it should have. Um, I kept doing what I was doing. Uh, and I think I probably, I think I probably let it slow me down for a little bit, but, um, I didn't stop and uh it just got worse and worse and worse dude and uh, I don't want to dwell on the the terrible things for too long because it's just depressing um but went down that path even further and then uh I think I took a break from pills at that point for obvious reasons and then I had somebody 
like I had let this kid stay at my house for like a, a couple weeks because his parents were whatever. Um, and he hit me up like two years later, or no, not two years, like a year later, uh, and offered me like 250 uh, hydrocodone pills. <laughs> and uh, I bought them for like $100, dude. <laughs> wow. like, like at least $5,000 worth of pills. And like uh, was doing what I was doing with those. Um, and then like gave up on trying to sell them. Um, I don't know why. Uh, and I just started taking them like on a very, 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 very regular basis. And like, uh, we do this whole thing, like cold water extraction to like put it into liquid and I could go deeper into that, but I won't like, uh, and just was like drinking, uh, like pretty much like self manufactured hydrocodone in liquid, like so fake codeine essentially. And like, uh, it's like a bit of a hobby. I got really fat because of it. And like, I was drinking it like literally every day, all day. <laughs> And, um, surprising, like I didn't really have any terrible experiences with that, but I remember at like six in the morning at one point, my mom invited me to, uh, to go to New York city with her to go see this art show. And, uh, the first thing I did was get my cup of opiates and get in the car with my mom at, you know, bright early in the morning. And, uh, we were driving and dude, I swear to God, like, I don't know if it was like a voice in my head or just like, in a, like it was a legitimate epiphany though. Of, uh, I was sitting in there and like just started saying to myself, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Like, what is going on here? Like you look at yourself in the fucking mirror, like what the fuck? And I had chills go from head to toe. I swear to God, like it was a very, very, very powerful experience for me. And, uh, I poured that cup out right out the window. Um, and I, I went through the whole withdrawal symptoms on my own, never went to rehab. Uh, and I've since that day, I've never done any opiates or Xanax or any hard drugs like that. I think that was in like 11th grade. What was the withdrawal symptoms like on that? Because I imagine it seems like you've been doing them for like two years at this point. Yeah. So, you know, honestly, I, th I kind of expected it to be worse. And like, keep in mind, like it wasn't Oxycontin or, uh, you know, it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Yeah. Um, and I think it lasted, like, I want to say it felt like months, but it was probably just, like, three or four weeks. Um, and, like, it was just, like, couldn't sleep, sweats, chills, you know, the basic things. Throwing up, got really sick a few times. Um, but it wasn't that bad. Like, I did it. You know, I I'd never relapsed. I never had to go to rehab. Um Wow, that's a defining moment in your life. Like that was the moment where it's like, it, is this who you stay or do you become someone different? Yeah. And like, I always say to myself that like that had to have been my father in my ear. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I've never, ever had an experience like that ever again. Like not only, like, I, maybe because I haven't done drugs or anything, but like I never had, I never have felt like that ever after that. Uh, and it was a really, really intense thing. Like, I don't know if you've ever gotten, like, true chills from head to toe. Like, where your whole body just feels like it's being taken. And, like, it's really intense. Um, but it saved me, dude. Whatever that was, whoever that was in my ear, be it myself or my father, that genuinely saved my life. Um, and I had been in and out of, like, I started, I think, I, I think it was a little bit before this. Like, I had already been playing on, like, the internet a lot. And, like, long story short, I think, like, I don't know how long after that, but towards the end of my junior year, I got really involved in uh, like Facebook groups and I created with a couple, with a lot of friends online, this Facebook group, Supreme Cartel. Um, and it was just about reselling Supreme. 
and um, I got into collecting that, took, you know, the money I had, put it in that, had a pretty cool collection of Supreme, <laughs> um, and fully focused on that, and did that for a bit of time, sold my Supreme when I thought the brand was going to die in, like, 2015, maybe. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a long history of selling early. Um, <laughs> um, but then I got, I started making my own clothing line at this point. Um, and this is, I guess, I guess not, I'm still in junior year at this point And like, uh, it popped off really fast. Like I was an admin of this group and, uh, we had probably like 5,000 members in there. And then I was an admin of a couple other groups that were about reselling Supreme or I had like a name online at that point. And what like, was your name? It was just Ian Watson, oh. but like uh, I just meant like people knew who I was in those groups, and like uh, I was like a very active member, and people knew I was an admin, and you know uh, I was like cool online for a little bit in these Facebook groups. Um, so I started this clothing line, Acrid Studio, which was just uh, I would cut up these canvas patchwork patches and sew them onto uh, just different hoodies and put my logo on there. Um, my logo was like just this little character I drew with like a crown on his head. Um, just up at some point um but I ran with that for a bit and I remember like I had I had made probably like 15 16 hoodies and I wasn't expecting to really sell that many I saw them like 65 dollars and I posted the link at like 10 p.m uh after like I had marketed it for weeks like uh done all these photo shoots blah blah blah, blah. I took it really really serious and I dropped this link and I woke up the next morning with like a couple thousand dollars in sales. Like, I think it was, like, $4,500 plus in sales. Wow. And uh, at the time, like, that was fucking insane, dude. Like, I was expecting, like, a couple hundred dollars, you know? And I could not, could not believe it. Um, Did you have the fulfillment set up for it? No. No. Like, uh, I had no, I, I had built the website on Big Cartel. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I hadn't made nearly enough hoodies. And uh, I never had a sellout feature on the website. So it was just, like... People could buy a thousand of them if they wanted to, and I would just have to make a thousand hoodies. Yeah. And uh, I put my time into these. Like I would go through like sewing off the pockets, sewing off the waistband, and then sewing on this patch. And um, so it wasn't just like a basic screen print thing. Like it, w it took actual effort. Yeah. And um, I made as many as I could. Blah 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 blah. blah sold them out. Um, and ended up like closing that out. And then I redropped that again and made a couple thousand dollars again. Um, and at this point, like, I don't know how much I had, like, in the bank at that point. Uh, I was still doing, like, kind of negative side endeavors, too, uh, to make extra money, um, which was, frankly, paying me a little bit better. But um, I I ran with that for as long as I could and took it super serious, dude. Like, right hand of God, uh, this guy flew out from Houston to do an editorial on me. And when I was, like, 15, and... Uh, maybe 16 years old. Um, and I remember like we, I didn't, I, dude, I didn't even know what an editorial was. Like, I just knew that this guy who, who took cool photos was like, Oh, I want to, I want to do your collection for you. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, came out, met up with him in a Starbucks, puts his recorder on the table. I, like, what? I didn't know that he was going to like interview me. Um, and like the second or third question he asked was like, why are you selling these hoodies? I was like, well, why does anyone sell anything for money? Like, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm selling them to make money. And he got so offended by that and uh, turned the recorder off and ended up doing the photo shoot for me anyway. But uh, mm -hmm. it was like a really eye-opening thing of like, I had the friend who kind of set that up for me, made this whole comment. It was like, dude, like you can never, that's not okay. Like 
people want like a genuine story. Nobody wants to hear that you're doing something for money. Like, yeah. That's not cool. And, uh, but truth to be told, like I was selling those hoodies for money. Like I, I did enjoy the brand and you know, all of the collections I did after that, like I put real thought into, um, but it was a clothing line, dude. Like, why does anyone sell anything? You know? Um, so whatever, whatever ran with that clothing line for as long as I could. Um, and then eventually I put all of the profit. I got really cocky from that. And, um, I put all of the money into these t-shirts to be made. And, uh, those t-shirts I, I bought, I, I think I bought like 300 of them and they were like really high quality t-shirts and, uh, went through like this whole printing thing and like had them made at like the highest quality possible. I was like, I'm going to be the next acting studios. Like I'm going to be the next big brand. Blah, 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 blah. I sold probably seven of those, mm-hmm. seven of those t-shirts and, uh, I didn't do any marketing for it. And, uh, not even on the Facebook groups. I, I did a little bit, but like it just didn't hit. Like I, I, I think I, you know, like I bought 300 t-shirts before ever posting about them. I never made like a sample, anything. And it was just like this hand drawn image. And like, Looking back, like it was not nearly as cool as the first ones I made. Like I would, I, I don't know that I would have bought one now. Um, you still have those shirts somewhere? Two hundred ninety-three of them <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, I gave a lot of them out, but uh, I ended up using most of them as just like sleep shirts. But it just like crushed me, and I, I at that point, like kind of gave up on uh, on my clothing line and uh, whatever, whatever. Um, but it was a really good run, and like I should tell this story too, like. Uh, so when I was in high school, like, uh, I think like halfway through this whole, the whole process of doing the clothing line, like, uh, I had gone into school with, um, a really large bag of hoodies. I was shipping out my camera bag and my school bag. And, uh, like I got called down to the office, whatever, whatever. They searched my locker for whatever reason. I found out later that they had searched my locker. Uh, so the woman at the front desk said that she was worried I was going to like cause a problem at like shoot up the school essentially yeah. and like because uh, I had too many bags whatever whatever and they searched my bag and I had a knife in my camera bag um, that was just literally for I mean it was for like I would, I would break in like abandoned buildings and do my photo shoots there so it was like for protection more than anything but like you know, it wasn't a dangerous knife like uh, whatever whatever um, and I had no intention of using it in like a negative way uh, but they gave me a calendar year suspension Oh, yeah and then I want to say couple months later was when I did that t-shirt line so I got smacked double yeah and uh I just gave up like it was like okay like this just got me kicked out of school um and now my t-shirts aren't selling so whatever back to back to the bad and uh moved around in that kind of negative space for a little while you know buying weed online which ended up playing to my benefit down the line Um, how'd you buy weed online through alphabet do you remember that alphabet so um it was one of the dark nets. You're buying with Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that was your introduction to crypto? Yeah. Um, and I had been doing that for like probably a year. Like I was buying Bitcoin at like $20. Like uh, $20. Like I don't rem- honestly remember the price, but I really, I remember, actually I remember one time I was buying like $46. It was oh like dirt cheap. And I, dude, I probably have like, I don't know, however many accounts scattered across Alphabet and these other websites just with like dust bitcoin a couple bitcoins here and there here and there you just can't access them i have no yeah no chance like uh have no way of even like 
I mean, Alphabet is not even a thing anymore. So even if I had the passwords, I couldn't get back on. How were they even doing it back then? Like, because where would you keep the Bitcoin? Was it actually on hardware wallets? No. Have you seen uh, like uh, Bitcoin ATMs? Yeah. That's where I would buy it. And I would just buy it there and then deposit directly to Alphabet. You're telling me they had Bitcoin ATMs and this would have been like 20, like 12, 2013? Uh, no, this is like, this is like 2014. 2014. There's Bitcoin ATMs that year. Yeah. There were a bunch, dude. I mean, in New York, yeah. Holy shit! What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, um, New York. It's early. I mean, it wasn't like, dude. No one was buying like those ATMs were like drug machines. Like people were only buying those to get money onto the dark nets. Yeah. And, like, uh, do you remember like in the beginning days of Bitcoin? Like it was kind of called like the drug. Currency. Yeah. 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 That's why. And uh, it really, it genuinely was like. But when you buy it through these ATMs, where does it go? Um, so you would, you would put in cash and then you'd have to put the address it was going to. What, like, uh, no, that's, so I guess that's what I'm saying. It's like, what address would you put your address, right? No, I would deposit directly. To, well, I mean, tech, yeah, I guess it was my address on Alphabet, but it was just a. Oh, a, so it's a, it's like a universal account subsetted. Yeah. I mean, so I, it was, uh, there were different, uh, you know, web forums that I'd buy on and everything. Like it was just, yeah, I was just buying like fake IDs and weed and whatnot, but like, uh, but Alphabet is kind of like a Coinbase in a sense at this time. Mm, Alphabet was a drug market. I mean, Alphabet was just a dark net where like, I mean, dude, it was, it was actually really crazy. Like there were, you could get anything on that website. Like Alphabet was one of the like scary ones, honestly. Uh, I just didn't buy anything that scary on it. Um, Never bought a small child. Dude, I remember seeing uh, like Hitman things on there. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, what? Is that real? And like, uh, I think it probably was. Um. But yeah, dude, and like that went from probably 2014 um, to like 2016. Um, I was just doing that, and uh, I had made, dude, I had, so this is like, I, I went broke via my clothing line. Uh, I made money, lost it all, and then I made money, you know, selling fake IDs and whatever else. Uh, and I had made like, you know, I had like 20-something thousand dollars, and, and, you know, just, I guess, I guess it was like junior, senior year. I'm so bad at timelines. Um, but I felt like I was on top of the world, lost that again. Um, and I had $5,500 left. And I knew what Bitcoin was, whatever, whatever. And uh, I was still like pretty active in these Facebook groups, even though I wasn't like selling Supreme. Like I would just talk to these guys and like share my whatever was going on in my life. Like I, I didn't really have real life friends at that point. I just had my friends online. Um, and this guy, Adam, who... I only knew him for being really, really rich. Like his parents uh, were like foreign wealth and like he would always have like these nice watches and like had the craziest Supreme collection and like was you know a bit of a douchebag, but like love Adam. Um, and he was like, yo, buy Ethereum. My dad said it's gonna be, a he, my dad promised me it's gonna be a thousand dollars by the end of the year. And it just like clicked like- 2017, 2016? 2016. Okay. And um, I, I remember sitting there like, what like it just clicked because i remember like i was buying bitcoin like really cheap you know 46 dollars 90 dollars um and uh I, I, it, I remember like one time like i bought some and then like deposited it and like the value went up and i was like what did they did they give me extra money or something i didn't get it and, like i just didn't know it never clicked until that moment that you could invest in either of those assets i'd never like during the whole time of buying fake ids and things like that like I never researched Bitcoin to my own fault. Um, but Adam told me that and uh, it just immediately clicked like, holy shit, like, okay, that makes sense. And 
I had no other options. And I threw uh, $500 into ETH at, I want to say, like 26 bucks or something. Like, I don't honestly remember the Wild. exact number. Yeah. Um, and then I came back to it probably like a week later, very short after, uh, to it at like $60 or like $55 or something. Like, it had grown quite bad. Like, like $1,400 in my account. I was like, oh, my fucking God. Like, What? And uh, I threw the rest of my five thousand dollars in. Nice. And, uh, I went to Luke actually, uh, and I don't want to say his last name or anything, but uh, but yeah. So Luke, who I've worked with for six years, and like I went to him, and like I knew he wasn't doing all the best mentally at that point. Like you know, we were right out of high school. Like no one was doing well mentally. You know, um, and I think we were both like a little bit depressed and this lit this fire in me because I was like, oh my God, like I'm making money again. Like it was like the first time I had made like digital money after the, my clothing line. And like it, uh, it was, it was legal and I wasn't doing anything wrong anymore. Um, and I went to him, I was like, dude, like we're going to get rich. Adam told me this, blah, 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 blah. And like just went off on him, convinced him to get into it. Um, I rode Ethereum up to like $450, uh, started a crash, sold out probably like anywhere between $250 to like $300, uh, crashed all the way down to $90. I felt like I was a genius. Um, and So you cash out like five grand, right? Oh, wait, no, no, you put in five grand, so that means you probably cash out, what, like 40, 50,000? Um, I didn't have all of, like, I, I, th I think it was like 30-something thousand dollars, honestly. Um, but... Uh, so it was just, you know, chilling there. And then like, I probably sold some at like 182. Like I didn't do the best, but, um, we ended up just like, I left Ethereum, felt like that was over, whatever, whatever. Ethereum, funny enough, hit a thousand dollars the day after new year's. So mm. whatever information Adam's father had was exactly spot on. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell Adam all the time about how he changed my life with that one statement. Um, but yeah, and then Luke and I just started scouring uh, 4chan and any other end of the web, end of the web to, you know, find anything else to buy. And uh, Luke found Ant Shares at dollar uh, ninety six um, from 4chan and you know whatever else. And uh, we threw like all our money in there. Um, and uh, dude, like, so Ant Shares, do you know what Neo is? Like the Chinese Ethereum? Nope. Okay, well, it ended up going to just under $200 uh, <laughs> in under a year. Um, and this was the 2017 bull run. This is when Bitcoin went to $22,000. Yeah. And I don't really want to talk too much about, like, physical numbers and everything. Um, but I felt like I was God. Like, I made not in today's standards a lot of money. But back then, like, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm the richest man in the world. Like, it wasn't. It wasn't and you held to 100 on answers? I went to, I think, like, 192 or something. I held the entire way. I held, I held to the bottom, brother. <laughs> you held to the top and the bottom? Yeah. Um, what, what, what was the bottom? Uh, dude, like, so how familiar are you with uh, the 2017 run? Very familiar. Yeah. I was deep in that, but I wasn't deep in it. If I, like, I was, like, watching it. I was an observer for it. So it was an upside-down V, you know? Yeah. Um, and this has all happened so fast, like... I bought Chainlink at 16 cents. It didn't really move the entire time of the run. Um, but Neo, like Anchors rebranded to Neo and it just took off. Uh, and it was, it was insane. And like it all happened so fast. And like I had researched the market to the best of my abilities, but I, I didn't know what I was doing at that point. Like I just, 
I would I had just figured something out. I got cocky so fast. Like I was, dude. I was. I remember like looking at the screen like fifty thousand dollars to ninety thousand dollars in like a couple days. Like mm. it was insane. Like I would wake up every morning to just more and more money. Like money that I had never imagined I would ever have in my right. entire life. Right. And it was like, oh my god. And I, you know, just like everyone else, felt like it was gonna keep going forever. Um, and it's funny enough, like, I told people not to buy Bitcoin at $20,000. I was like, nah, I told you guys to buy it at $1,000. You didn't. I wouldn't buy it here. And uh, mm. I just held through the entire thing. Uh, never sold any of it. And, like, um, you know, just I watched my entire life just fall to bits and pieces. Like, Neo probably went back down to, you know, back down to, like, Ten eight dollars. Oh know? my gosh! Uh, and I remember, I saw my account hit thirteen thousand dollars after that, and like, it was a lot more than that at one point. <laughs> like a lot, 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 lot more. Um, and I just remember seeing that thirteen grand. Like it went lower than that. I bet I stopped looking. I just I was like, this is over. Like you fucked up. That was that was your that was your chance to have a real life, and you fucked it up. Can you say? Did you touch an M or was it in the no. hundreds of thousands? Hundreds was, of thousands. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wasn't. I I wasn't even halfway to an M, but it was still like at that point, it was a little over quarter million dollars. Quarter um, million. Quarter million to thirteen k will do something <laughs> to a man. Yeah. Watching dude. that go up and then down. And I, um, it was all so fast. Dude. I mean, this is all in under a year span. Um, and I just it broke me. And then like on top of that, like so. The market dies and died so bad to the point where, like, I thought it was over. You know, I think everyone, like, we Me all. Me too. I was like, damn, I'm glad I didn't get in on that, on that scam. <laughs> and, like, dude, I, you know, everyone was making fun of me. Like, oh, you should have fucking sold, dumbass. Like, you know, all, all the negative comments and all the naysayers. And Did you have a, a crypto community back then, even? Or who was who these people, the naysayers? What, what are their names? Um, I mean, just like, honestly, guys on Facebook, like, uh, I mean, even Adam, the guy who told me to get into it was like, wait, you didn't fucking sell. <laughs> like, uh, and like all the, all the friends, like I had like probably three friends at home, like, uh, Chris, Nick, uh, maybe a couple others. And, you know, they all said like, uh, do you take your money out? Blah, blah, blah. Like I had my friend's parents tell me to take the money out. Like they're like, sell, dude, this is an internet bullshit scam. Like get the fuck out. And, uh. I didn't listen to anyone. And I, I was so, yeah, you know, me and Luke were on 4chan every day, like just scouring the web, like looking for whatever opportunity we could. And that was like the community, you know, it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was the worst part, the worst possible community ever. Like, I don't know if you've ever been on 4chan, but it's, yeah. it is the armpit of the internet, oh, you yeah. know? And, um, but it, 4chan biz was like the place to be. Like, uh, it was a lot of scams and things like that. But, like, if you were able to weed through it like we were, uh, you know, you found some really good things. And, like, the Link Marines uh, started there. Like, all the people, like, you know, had 70% of that entire board was people saying, buy Chainlink, buy Chainlink, buy Chainlink, buy Link. You go all in on Link, blah, 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 blah. And thank fucking God I did. Um, I didn't even buy that much, but I bought enough. Um but yeah, so uh, the market dies. I stopped looking at it around thirteen thousand dollars. That was the lowest I saw it go. The market kept going, so I probably probably went back to break even, if not lower. Okay, so let let me ask this question then. Uh, like I was saying before, when you're saying like you're looking at your balances at this point, what are you using like in terms of an exchange? I think it was Bitrex at that point. Bitrex. Didn't they end up scamming people? 
Um, kind of. So they eventually, um, so they tried to scam me a little bit. That was Bitfinex that I think you're thinking. But yeah, that's right. Because um, those are the tether guys. Yeah, but Bitrex, Bitrex did kind of scam people. Like later down the line, um, so they just randomly closed all New York accounts uh, and pretty much like I didn't, dude. All of the emails went directly to spam. Like I never got any formal notice that my account was going to be shut down and boom, like that was gone. And like, uh, I sent them this long, like angry email and like, I had nothing like that. I couldn't have done anything about it, but I was like, I'll see you guys in court. I'm going to start a, a mass litigation. Blah, 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 blah. Like you have, I'll give you guys a week to give it back or I'm going straight to the, whatever I said. And they led me, they gave me another week to unlock my account. And take oh, thank out. God. Yeah. It must've been when the New York attorney general had that, that thing about tether, um, the, the study. I don't remember, honestly. I just know that Bitrex had to had to take everything off. And there were other, like, random exchanges that I honestly don't remember the name of. Like, the one I started on, um, it was the exchange that was, like, Gemini bought the exchange and then rebranded to Gemini. And I don't remember what it was called before that. But that was the main one I was using. Um, and then Bitrex and, uh, you know, whatever, whatever. There was a Ether Delta was another one. It was, like, the... The, the first like kind of Uniswap type of thing it was the shittiest platform ever. Um, but whatever, whatever. And like Bitrex, like I hardly even knew how to use these exchanges. Like I remember the first time I logged in, like looking at charts being like, what? Like mm -hmm. it was a whole new language. Um, but anyway, so market dies. Uh, I spent months just watching it get worse and worse and worse. My girlfriend leaves me and then my mom gets cancer. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, and it was ovarian cancer, and uh, which is pretty pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and so I I fell into the worst depression of my entire life. Like the fact that I made it through that was just without going back to the drugs you were taking before too. That's amazing. Yeah. I went straight to vodka though. Like, ah. Uh, I uh, so I had gotten really fat from the drugs prior, and like I never did anything to lose weight until this point. Um, and how, how fat are we talking? 280 something at, at peak. Damn. Like my doctor told me I was obese. Yeah. Really fat. Um, and uh, whatever, whatever. So that all happened. Uh, and it just like, I, I was just like dead. Like had no will for anything. And just all that kept me going was playing a video game, like Fortnite. And I don't know if it was Fortnite, but whatever video games I was playing with my friends in like 2017, 2018. That's right when Fortnite was dropping. I think it was Fortnite. It had yeah. to have been, yeah. Uh, and like, I would just literally sit there just drinking f fucking vodka and water. And like, dude, I, I in this whole, I guess it was probably like two months, um, month and a half at least, uh, was just like an entire blur. But like, I don't, I don't honestly know that I ate anything for that month and a half like i think i may have had like some snacks here and there but i it started off with just like raw depression where like i just couldn't eat like i i was so fucked up over my girlfriend leaving me i don't know why and like then finding out my mom had cancer like i couldn't even face it dude like if my mom had died like i i just would have jumped off a bridge like I, that's even still today like i cannot handle the thought of my mother leaving and uh whatever, whatever. So it just absolutely crushed me. And I lost like no shit, 80 something pounds in, in this time frame, which was probably like a month to a month and a half. As David Goggins style, he lost a hundred pounds in three months. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. Um, and I got like, not skinny, but like was not fat anymore by any means. And, um, whatever, whatever. 
my mom ended up having like a miracle surgery. Um, and she actually, it was like, a, this was, this was before, like crypto wasn't all the way dead at this point. Like I want to say I probably still had like fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 in there when, when I found out my mom had cancer and everything. And that went on for like a month and I took out $22,000 for her hospital bills before everything like really died. Um, and that was it. And then that's probably why it got as bad as it did and everything. Um, but that was the only benefit I got from the 2017 run was paying off her hospital bills. There you go. And, uh, thank God I did, you know, um, yeah, it was all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I got, you know, after that and then, you know, going through that entire thing and, uh, whatever, whatever. I just, it was so long, like this agonizingly slow thing of just watching the charts just go down and down and down and down and down. And I stopped looking at it. And, uh, I had stayed in touch with Luca a little bit. Uh, like we talked on Facebook and, you know, touched on Instagram one here and there. And I saw that he was doing really well over the years. And, uh, I didn't know I, I had, I, I was ready to give up on crypto. Like I never took any money out. Um, it was like, I'd rather, you know, if, if this is going to die, I'll die with it. Um, my only option, but uh, I ended up reaching out to Luca and asking if I could intern for. He posted something that was like, "I need an intern. Uh, let me know." I was like, "Can I? Can I come learn what you do?" And because uh, he he was doing phenomenal, like posting you know large amounts of money and like driving all these fancy cars and everything, and like, and he's eighteen at the time, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, he's like, "Yeah, dude, come out." And uh, I like bailed on going out there a couple times, and then finally went out as like. Just an absolute last hope. Like, whatever, whatever. Uh, went out to see him and was, like, blown away. Like, he he had bought a house already. Like, a really nice townhouse uh, in L.A. And I went there and I went to his office. <laughs> and Jonathan Lipnicki, the, the actor from Stuart Little, was in his office. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on here? And, like, I just remember being, like, just insanely blown away. Like... And we talked, and, uh, you know, I remember he was like, how's your dad? Because he left right before my dad. He left in third grade. Wow. And, uh, and he was like, how's your dad? I was like, what do you mean? Like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we had this whole conversation, whatever, whatever. Uh, I got to see what he was doing with Shopify, and uh, it just lit this fire in me. And, like... I mean, he ended up, like, he taught me Shopify, and, like, I did, like, little minoral tasks for him. Like, I made, like, influencer lists and yeah. product lists and just did whatever I was told while I was there. Um, but the end of the conversation and the end of me being there was essentially him saying, like, listen, like, crypto's not dead. I, I don't know what makes you think it is. Like, it's fucked, but, like, this is this is going to be big. And uh, he's like, y you, can, you can try to do Shopify all you want, but stick with crypto brother like uh and i remember uh, nate was there too it was the first time i met nate nate ceo mm -hmm. classic and uh he said the same thing and like everyone it wasn't even i don't know that anyone even actually said to me like oh crypto is gonna be you know it's not dead but people were so interested in the Yo, you do crypto like how's that blah, 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 blah. and like i did my best to not tell everyone like oh dude i'm fucked you know right um and uh, you know i was embarrassed of it like you know, the whole nine yards. But Luca and I grew up in the same dirt. Like, he had, you know, uh, you know, just as fucked up as a situation as I had in my youth. And, like, uh, the situation he went through and, like, 
the ele- elementary school and everything was just as bad as mine. And, uh, you know, we played on the same playground in the same situation. And uh, up until this point, like, the idea of making it was just a fallacy. Like, it was just an idea. Like, something out of the movies. And uh, seeing Luca and seeing, like, what he had done and, like, how smart he was and... You know, I remember him saying to me, I was like, dude, listen, if I can do this, you can too. And, like, it just stuck. And um, I just couldn't believe it. And it, it, it broke that fallacy for me. And, and thank God I went to see that because if I never, if I never went to L.A., like, he, he, he reinvented me. Like, he brought me back out of my shell and, like, made me believe in myself again. And uh, I fucking ran with that, dude. Like, I went back home after that trip on fucking crack. <laughs> like, <laughs> back home, like... So you started smoking crack after this? <laughs> well, you know, but I was like, dude, I was I click, 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 click. And like, I went home and like, I made Luke come over and like, I actually did try Shopify for like a week before I ended up like just deciding like, no, fuck it, let's, let's stick in crypto. I'm like, uh, but dude, I remember me and Luke, my mom always tells me whenever she sees Luke, she's like, I remember when you guys were, I came home from work one day at like nine o'clock and you guys were sitting in the living room in pitch black staring at your computer screens and like. I had my friend Jennings, who Jennings was the person I'd play Fortnite with, and like still one of my best friends to this day. Like he, he really kept me alive during that time. And like if it wasn't for him and like the couple other kids I played with, like I don't know what the fuck would happen to me. I had no other friends really except for Luke. Um, and Luke, myself, and Jennings would just sit there all night, like talking about what we we're gonna do and how we we're gonna figure this out. And then it was still like a little dismal. Like crypto was still pretty dead, um, but. I remember I went to this, uh, I went to this uh, group chat on Telegram that I'd been in since 2016, and you know all these guys that I was friends with and didn't even know their real names. I'm still in that same group chat. Um, know these guys for you know six fucking years. Um, but I went in there and I saw them like looking at charts of Chainlink at like a dollar something, like a dollar twenty or whatever it was. I was like, what? Excuse me? Like, because we bought, I I had bought a pretty good bag of chain link at 16 cents and I, I couldn't fucking believe it like frantically logged into my account I was like wasn't even sure if I had it anymore I think it was Binance at this point um I was like I remember logging in just like so unsure if I even had and I did I still had all of my chain link and like just like that like my account was not back all the way by any means but like there was hope yeah. there was a new light oh man and I, want, I think I sold like dude I think I sold like 90,000 chain link at like a dollar twenty. oh <laughs> Damn, so you bought hundreds of thousands of chain link yeah, at 16 dude. cents. Yeah, 4chan sold me, bro. I mean, I, I sold a pretty good portion. Of, that 90K was a lot of my chain link. But uh, uh, 4chan sold me, dude. I mean, that was the, that was what everyone talked about on there. Like, that was the one. Like, there were link marines on that board. Like, they, they would tell, they were like, oh, yeah, like, ant shares might be cool. But chain link, brother. Chain link is the one that's going to revolutionize your life. And, like, fucking they were right. Um, but... Yeah, dude, that saved me. That, and I think, uh, you know, I can't speak on Luke's experience, but I believe he had the, a very similar experience too because I know he had bought it with me. Um, I was pr- he was probably the reason I bought that. But just like that, like, the light was there again, and uh, it just, you know, I just, as I said, like, I, I was just back on crack. Like, just, just couldn't stop staring at my screen, staying up 24-7, like, sitting on the phone with Luke all the you know, nonstop, like, we're going to do this. This is going to change our lives. I was right along, like, blah, 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 blah. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. And, like, uh, 
2019 was one of the better years uh, in crypto for me of just like things weren't, it wasn't really a bull market. It was just things were moving um, and it was like, it's very easy to maneuver. Um, and yeah, man, I mean, the rest is kind of history from that point. Like it was just the, you know, the back and forth of just spending 24 seven researching and, and looking for new projects and, you know, both of us building out connections and making new friends in the space, all anonymous, uh, getting in private groups, meeting new people. Um, and it, it was just that for a really long time. Like I learned technical analysis, self-taught, whatever, whatever. Um, got really into that. Luke more focused a little bit more on FA, uh, fundamental analysis. And uh, we were kind of like that dream team duo uh, where we would just focus on different ends of the market and, uh, you know, try not to step on each other's toes and make sure that we were always kind of doing something in separate realms to make sure that we were learning as much as we possibly could as a duo. Um, and yeah, like, uh, again, like, I don't really want to, I don't really want to talk about specific numbers or anything. Um, but 2019 was life changing. And, uh, you know, it's, a uh, it's grown a lot since then. And, you know, as you know, like the, the playing field has kind of changed and, my bread and butter now is kind of algorithmic development and creating automated strategies and things there. And uh, Luke has kind of always focused on early stage investments and, and things like that. Um, so it was like kind of a, the perfect duo. And, you know, I've had, uh, we've both had some, uh, we've got quite a, a log between the two of us of different picks. And, yeah, uh, you told me, Luke told you about Shiba Inu the day it launched. <laughs> granted, we had talked about nine or ten different other dog tokens that same week. Um, but yeah, dude, we, we could have bought Shiba. That was pretty recent. But like, dude, I mean, not to toot my own horn or anything, or not to toot Luke's own horn or toot anything. It. <laughs> toot it. Um, but I think we definitely have like one of the best, you know, records in the space uh you know i'm sure there's people who have better records but i mean dude i could go on a very 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 long list of different picks. oh i've seen that very very long list <laughs> yeah. no you're the of everyone i know in crypto i trust you more than anybody i appreciate it by far I, like i can't even name one other person honestly that i would be like i fully trust with what their opinion would be with that also said though it's like you give the opinion and it's up to the people to do their own due diligence and stuff like that. But 100%, like your record is unbelievable. It's been a good one, man. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, man. And, uh, you know, kind of different pieces of that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's grown so much. And, you know, my focus has shifted recently. And, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot in the background and uh, just trying to grow that more. And then I should mention, too, Psy Movements. Like, Psy Movements came out kind of randomly like the reason I initially started side movements was to have like a proof of work like I learned from my art teacher in high school like photograph everything so like when you are when you have the final product you're able to showcase the entire work step up to that and uh Luca was one of the big reasons that I actually like ran with side movements he was like dude like you're good at this like keep it on paper like show people you're good at this like you need to have a track record um and at first, I was just doing sign movements. I, I had, like, messaged a couple of kids from my hometown. I was like, hey, like, I'm doing this group. If you want to join, let me know. Um, it was, like, 20 kids, dude. Like, uh, and I was just posting. I was, like, you know, typing my full pages of Bitcoin analysis and different project research things with Luke and, uh, you know, really uh, moving the needle with that. Um, 
But yeah, man, uh, side movements was, has kind of been my saving grace in this entire thing because it, you know, crypto is fun and all and like money is fun and all. Um, but side movements gave me like a legitimate purpose. And, uh, you know, I could talk about it for a long, long time, but, uh, the, the short story is that it, it moved pretty fast and, uh, you know, I only, I've never run any sort of ad for side movements. I've never really done any sort of promotion there. Um, we got like 4,000 people organically. Um, and the craziest thing is, like, you know, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, like, hey, like, you really changed my life financially. Like, you told me, you suggested, you told you told the group you were buying this, I bought this, and it did really well. <laughs> and that's, you know, the really common one where I've had hundreds of people say, like, hey, you changed my life in that front. Um, but I started sharing, like, those childhood stories and, you know, little bits and pieces of what I went through and, you know, telling people, like, hey, listen, like, I was put in that box. Like, I quite literally had people, I had my high school tell me, I had parents tell me, I had everyone tell me that I wasn't destined to be good. Like I had my childhood best friend tell me in sixth grade that I wasn't allowed to hang out with him because I was going to be a bad kid. And uh, I realized at a really early stage, like so many people had experienced that too. And I, you know, by no means was I even close to being like, it's not a rare scenario to have people counted out and like so many kids, especially in the space we're in of like social media um, you know, kids are kind of in there because they didn't go to college and, uh, I never went to college and, um, being able to tell these people, like, you can do whatever you want. Like, you know, if I was able to get this far, like, of course you can. And, uh, you know, I've had people from 16 to 45 years old, like you really changed my perspective on life. And, uh, that, that has been like the craziest thing for me out of anything. Like I never, I never would have dreamed that I'd be able to have like that sort of impact on somebody. Side Movements is my baby, always will be. What's your plans moving forward with Side Movements? <sighs> I kind of had to step away from it for the past couple months due to just personal issues and then, uh, you know, separate endeavors and working on uh, some really big things that uh, I couldn't help but take focus from. Um, but I'm going to, you know, a lot of Side Movements, Side Movements has always been a family over a business. Um, and that ended up kind of hurting me in the end of it of uh, like, I, 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 I've always wanted to treat it like a family. And like, I, I, you know, I tell people when I, when I reference the people I have in that group, I call them my kids, you know? And um, I've always kind of looked at it like that. And I've been happy looking at it like that. Um, but I've had a few people advise me recently that I'm foolish for doing that. And at the end of the day, side movements is a bit of a business and it needs to be treated like that. Um, so I'm kind of just in the process of rebranding it and, you know, hiring people under me to, you know, ensure that I'm able to stay active 24 seven and, you know, not miss a day of posts and, and make sure that I'm able to actually, you know, hold up to everything that these kids are expecting from me. And, uh, you know, there were a few times where I got overwhelmed with other projects or other things in my personal life and, would have to take a week off from side movements. And I tend to forget, like, a lot of those kids were truly relying on me to navigate the market. And uh, so, you know, I'm just kind of trying to bring it now to a point of where there's not going to be those speed bumps. Uh, and I'm going to be able to, like, have it streamlined and make sure that uh, there's no more bumps in the road and it can be, like, a legitimate, full-functioning business. Yeah. Hopefully in the next, like, 
30 days, we'll get back to it. Damn, that quick. I'm hoping to. I've, I've got everything in place now. Where so. can people find, like, if they want to join side movements? Because you got, it's like there's a free level and a pro level, right? Yeah. So, uh, the website's just sidemovements.io. Uh, it's in my Instagram link. Uh, Instagram side moves. They took down my original one, unfortunately, but I still have side movements on Instagram too. And I haven't, you know, I, I got so sick of the social media space that I just, I haven't really posted anything publicly in like six months. Um, and I don't know when I will start doing that again. Um, but I'm going to bring some people on to help kind of, you know, keep my ideas posted on the public side movements page. And, you know, it sucks because, you know, I've dealt with so many liars and bullshitters on Instagram that it really just made me not want to do it anymore. Um, but side movements is more important than a couple things that bother me. So uh, I'll get back to posting very soon and, and, and have more of a, a presence online. So. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to that. I for sure will. Well, what's your plan right now? Because, like, like, it's going to be weird, like, looking forward, like, back at this because apparently I'm moving in four days. <laughs> apparently you might be moving. Are you still moving out of, like, you're staying in Miami for sure, but are you staying still moving out of this place? It's all up in the air, man. Same, um, yeah. You know, I'm definitely going to be here for another month, and then if I want to stay, I'll stay. I really want to travel. Uh, I realize, so in September, I have to go out to Austin to, to buy my mother a house, uh, just like a like a very serious thing where it has to be September now and so I'm kind of looking at it like she's she's not uh, the youngest and she's 68 years old um, so there's a chance that I'm gonna have to start you know like really taking care of her in the next couple of years um, so I'll be out in Austin in September um, and I, I really want to travel prior to that because I it dawned on me the other day that like this there's a really, it's a slim chance, but there's a chance that this is my last chance to actually uh, go experience the world. And like, I could, you know, I can go anywhere right now and uh, be able to do that without really much stress. And uh, so, I, you know, honestly, Miami's not my favorite. Uh, six years of crypto will make you the most introverted person in the room. And I tried to like the clubs. I tried to like the boats, but I just don't, it's not my thing. And uh, so I definitely like, I have to be in Miami for the next couple months just for work. Uh, you know, one of the projects I'm doing kind of revolves around, you know, a lot of business partners here and a lot of the brands we're working with are here. Um, so unfortunately I have to be here for a little bit, but after that, as soon as I'm able to, I think I'm just going to try to vanish to, I don't know, Italy or Greece or Bali. I don't, I don't want to take the 35 hour flight, but we'll see. It's all up in the air right now. It turns into a 12 hour flight if it's that international private jet. $270,000 private jet. Can't say it. Can't Time say it. is money. <laughs> Time is money. You're not wrong. You know, maybe uh, maybe one of these days it'll be worth it for us to do that. Maybe you and I will have to do that or something. Yeah. yeah get some friends. It's not that bad if you get seven people on that flight, man. Yeah. Or how about we get seven people and we all get our own planes? <laughs> that sounds like an idea. You know, the billionaires and millionaires of the world definitely do that just for the fuck of it sometimes. Yeah, right. So uh, what, are your, what are your plans after Miami? I don't know, especially like uh, with where this podcast is positioned. I'm not exactly sure if this will be positioned. Like maybe I want to make one before this solo or like, yeah. I don't even know. But I was just talking to Hurry in there. And I was like, today was a great day. 
like last night was an amazing day, like night, because like I drove down to um, the Kanye West listening party. I saw like Jay yeah. Rich and. Um, That's how I got to reunite with everybody. Yeah, well, I, I never met Jay Rich and I never met um, Jordan Welch either. So I met those people. I've been talking with them for years. Yeah. And I saw Sebastian and all of them. Had a great time. But like ever since I accepted, I'm going back to St. Louis. The weirdest things have been happening. Like um, just yesterday, remember when I sent in the group chat that Rolls Royce that was the same color as mine, Miami blue, like uh, oh, wrapped? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Driving to Brickle yesterday after I signed the papers, but it's not officialized or anything. No. I just, I'm driving on the highway and all of a sudden in Brickle, I see this Rolls Royce, <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. Okay. So then I go in to Sebas's uh, place and I start playing pool and this random lady with like distinct blonde dreads start talking to us a bit. Just wondering where we're from. She's from Atlanta, whatever, whatever. I'm saying that now because you say it, it rubbed off. And then like when I went to the design district today, I'm walking into Dior as she's walking it out. I'm like, what are the fucking chances? Yeah. She goes, I don't know. And then kept walking. So I don't think she knew, recognized me. But then a couple days ago, a week last week, someone messaged me a Tesla with like paint drip all over it. Mm -hmm. Like on the front, like, oh, the Simplify Tesla. And I screenshot it. I'm like, that's oh. cool. Driving back from the design district. Guess who's behind me? Oh, my God. This fucker. He comes up to me. I go, Yeah. And we race at like 120 through <laughs> through traffic. Like he has the plaid and I have the P100D. Yeah. Getting in some sketchy situations and um, just stuff like that. Like when I um, when I moved out, I lost all power in my building, right? And then when I decide I'm moving back, the island next to us loses all power. So oh yeah, I'm trying to decipher what it all means. It's like because it, it's weird. It's just like they say that when you are moving on to the like. Um, Temptation will be the greatest when you're at the end of your previous chapter, essentially. Yeah. So it's just like, it's like, if Miami was like this every day, I would, I'd be staying in Miami, but yeah. we both know it's like anecdotal and just the experience we've had is so warped. Like I, that's why I was saying like, I kind of might want to do like an entirely different podcast about yeah. moving to Miami, but I totally recognize that like, I don't have a, um, a straight, like. Like, my, our experience has all been tweaked, for sure. Yeah, 100%. And, like, Miami sucks, man. It, it's a great place to vacation, but, you know, if you like going to the club every night, this is the place to be. Um, and it's unfortunate now that uh, this is kind of the crypto capital of the United States. Yeah. So I, I feel like I tell people in my business, that, you know, I think I'm going to go to Austin. I'm like, why? You're in the best place in the country. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, but at the end of the day, it's like those people – it's annoying to me because they act like you have to be somewhere to be your fullest. Dave Chappelle lives in Ohio, you <laughs> yeah, know, um, yeah, what, what's his name? Uh, Post Malone lives in Salt Lake city, Utah. Yeah. And, uh, like I, I'm, there's a lot more that go into that. So it's just like those two people are top of their top yeah. of the line in their game and they're not in it. It's just, so it, I always say like Miami is the land of misguided entrepreneurs because mm -hmm. they come here because everyone else comes here. Then they're not exactly quite sure what they're supposed to do once they're here. Besides, yeah. you know, like, and I fell into that too. Like, oh, I'm coming here because everyone else came here. But then I got here and I'm like, I don't like Miami. So what's the, what's the point of me being here? Yeah. You know, if, if it's just for that. And so I think what, that's another thing. It's just like, it's to the people who are like at home. Yeah. It's okay to stay in your hometown if you want, but you also got to recognize like you have to test it. You just can't be like, Oh, I'm going to stay in my hometown the rest of my life. No, like you got to travel yeah. to figure it out. But if you still preference that, that's fine. 
I'm not going to be like that. And I can't promise you that. Like I'm in LA for sure by the end of this year. Yeah. Um, but, but the, uh, to make a, a decision like that, because everyone else is making that decision like that kind of also programs your mind to basically do what everyone else does and think yeah. how everyone else thinks. So yeah, that's how I, that's how I see it. Yeah. Like I would say, I'm not exactly sure what the goal here is. Yeah. I think Miami is a great place to start. Like if you need to kind of build those connections and there's as many good people as there are bad here. Um, but you know, you know, I had lived in LA for a little bit before this and, uh, didn't really have the best experience there and coming here. Like, you know, I've met some awful people here too, but I've met some of my, like people I'm confident will be lifelong friends here and, uh, have done really only good by me. And, you know, Miami, I got everything I needed out of Miami. Like, you know, back when I was younger, like I used to pray to God, like, please just let me find a good group of friends. Let me just find a couple people to have like an infrastructure with and be able to call. And, you know, I just, I had never had like a good group of friends and I finally found that here. Um, and, you know, met some really good people. Um, so, you know, I'll always be thankful for Miami but at the same time, like I don't, I don't want to feel tied down here anymore. And uh, the whole point of working online is to be able to be free, right? Exactly. And, yeah, that's that's why it's so confusing. It's just like, because we we both been to like the your first of all before I say this, your crypto event was awesome, but some of these crypto events are bunk. <laughs> it's just like a whole lot of people bragging about the NFTs they have, a whole lot of people bragging about like how much yeah. money they got. It's just like, it's a dick swinging contest. Exactly, because it's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, there's two sides of crypto. There's, like, the front end and the back end, and I've always taken pride in being in the back end of it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be in the limelight. I, I don't think I've ever really shared my face online, hence why I'm wearing sunglasses on this podcast. You know, I don't really want to be recognized. And I've, I've never... You still get recognized, though. Let's be real. You have shared, shared your face. Like, when, at your event, you said, well, like, so many people were coming up to you. Yeah, that's different. Um, but, like... You know, when I used to do, like, I got, I had a face in this, uh, when I was, you know, when I was back in high school doing this Supreme Cartel group, like, people knew who I was, and dude, I remember I was walking through New York City at one point, and somebody sent me a video of me walking, like, they were, they walked behind me for probably 30 seconds and sent a video of it to me, and I was like, what the fuck, like, it was the weirdest situation, and like, that, similar things that happened, like, that a couple times, and I'm so... I don't want people to recognize me anymore. Like, I, if I was at dinner tomorrow and someone came up to me and was like, dude, you're Cy Watson, right? I, no. <laughs> On that same drive back when I was racing the guy, this guy in a new Corvette pulled up next to me. And I'm like, holy shit, that's the guy who posted on Twitter in the e-com space saying, I'll race anybody down South Beach for a thousand bucks. And I go, I'll race you. And he goes, nah, man, that's cheating. <laughs> but no, he pulled up next to me of all of like, it's just, that's what I'm saying. So many weird things just keep yeah. happening. And I'm like, Oh, Luke, like Luke Alexander. Oh, yeah. And he's like, Scott Hills. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. And then he tweeted about it. But yeah. it's, it's those things where well, Miami's the smallest city. And, and did I see any, anytime I go to any sort of event, like I see so many people I know. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't even in Miami. It was like f far down the line up the, up the yeah. 44, but it's different. Cause like I thrive on that energy. I'm like, fuck, I'm doing something right. Like I'm getting recognized <laughs> when you're like on the other side where it's like, I need to start like uh, not posting my face too much. So it's just—I mean, crypto has always thrived on anonymity, and like, yeah, I don't want—I've never really liked talking about numbers because I, I've 
one of my biggest fears is becoming like a target and like uh, yeah. I've seen that happen with so many people and uh, well also the people who talk numbers are generally the small fish and the big dogs never talk numbers just fair percentages enough. fair enough um, but yeah no and like uh, you know the number games is just a weird one and like it's, it's part of the reason I got off social media of like people just lie like, yeah. uh, and it's like this weird thing of like, this is all I've, uh, you know, I've only done crypto for six years. Like you know, I haven't played in anything else for the past six years. And it's like, I've had people out here come up to me and just spit horseshit lies to me. It's like, and they have no idea that like, you brother, like, I, I, I can, who are you lying to? Like, you can go lie on Instagram all day, but like, I can, what you're lying to the wrong one, brother. And, uh. I don't know. So Miami, Miami has its pluses and minuses. It's been fun. You can only jet ski so much. You know? Yeah, it comes down to are you on? We a, have to go jet skiing before you leave. I try to go jet skiing a day. Apparently, you need a boater's license in Florida. So I guess through your connect, you don't. Yeah, no. I yeah, okay. Let's do Lifetime jet skis. I'm owed some favors. Okay, well, maybe not should have said that, but that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I lift up this phone, how long do you think we've been going? I feel like an hour 45, honestly. I was going to say the hour 44, dude. Let's <laughs> see. Let's see. Two hours oh, and 10 wow. minutes. Holy shit. Wow, that's a long one. Damn, I got five missed calls and shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I think this is a good way to, to end it. We got to have like a part two because I'm yeah, glad we got, we got your whole story. Listen, we got the, the Miami piece of it, and I know you haven't had the best experience out here, so I'm going to have to make my way down to St. Louis. Yeah, if I'm in St. Louis. Well, yeah. like I'm using, maybe it'll be a lie. I'm using tonight. I'm using tonight to really decipher. But like with the things that are going on in the background, probably makes the most sense because like uh, even like looking at you now, dude. I just, I think I can just do so much like with a podcast room back in St. Louis with like over because this it's like literally like this, but it's like overlooking the St. Louis Arch. Yeah, and like this vibe, I really fuck with. That's <laughs> what I was thinking as it was getting dark. I'm like. This is nice. Yeah. This is nice. So, yeah, we'll definitely have to do that. Okay. Well, I'm excited for part two. I'm, I'm happy we finally got to do this. I know. It's been right? a long time coming. Uh, long time coming. Long time coming. But thank you so much. Side Movements, Ian Watson.